Welcome to the world of Todd McFarlane's Spawn. We're calling 1997 the year of Spawn because we've got a lot of exciting things going on this year. In this video, we're going to give you some sneak peeks at Spawn news and events you can watch for. And now Spawn, so turn off your lights. The following contains strong language, violence, and nudity. It is intended only for mature audiences. Discretion advised. Released Ugh. October 19th, 1995. This would be the same month as Incredible Hulk number 436, the first issue drawn by Angel Medina. I'm sure you have thoughts on Angel Medina's Hulk. Oh, I fucking hate that version that of the Hulk. That fucking nose, man. Those, what is that, penguin noses? Everybody got a fucking penguin nose? Kind of, yeah. And then he, he made him really weird, like the body. I mean, Porsche's were a little wacky, cool, yeah. It, he's a cool artist, and I do enjoy some of his artwork. He just, for me, did not work on the Hulk. Yeah, and my thing is, I thought he was great on Dreadstar. I, I loved his stuff there, and, and just in general, but for some, and he uh, eventually had a run on Spider-Man. It was pretty awesome. It didn't last very long because he wasn't the fastest artist, but uh, he did really great work there. It's just that he gave those needle noses to everybody in the Hulk and the weird dimensions, and I, I just wasn't that into it. It was a shame because when I went to San Diego in 2000, one of the artists I had a really long conversation with, I, I ended up at his table looking at his stuff. I couldn't afford anything, but we struck up this long conversation, and I was very conscious of that because I was trying to run to a, a Black Panther panel with Don McGregor and Gene Colan, and I knew that I was running low on time. But I was enjoying talking to him and I didn't want to be a jerk and rush off. And he's telling me how much he loved Harley Quinn and how he really wanted to do a Harley Quinn series. And this was around the time I think that the uh, Terry Dodson and uh, Carl Kiesel series had like floundered. I don't know if it was still going or not, but it just didn't make the splash people thought that it should have given how uh, popular Harley Quinn had become. And he just yeah. really wanted to draw her book and that never ended up happening, which is a shame. Uh, so anyhow, other books that came out this month, Velocity number one, Witchblade number one. So as you can see, the Ballistic just barely came out and now you've got Tom, uh, um, Mike Turner launching the series that was going to make his name. Uh, Brigade number 22 which I believe was the last issue of Brigade which means that it came up short of Images of Tomorrow's 25. There's yet to be a Brigade number 23 unfortunately. And then as far as the actual book set up part 2 draw, written and drawn by Todd McFarlane and Greg Capullo. Special thanks to Kevin Conrad and Julia Simmons. Issue is dedicated to Keith Giffen who I know we're familiar with. Yeah. And the cover features uh, Spawn Alley with uh, Weeping Wanda and Rats. What do you think about this one? Oh, 
that was cool. Thought we was cool on it. Now this one, I I, I vaguely remember this one because this was the one that. So in the last issue, we kind of skipped over where uh, Spawn went after Win, and he shows up in Win's office. There's Harry, and at the time, I think Win had created like a special force, right? Like a task force or something. Eh? Yeah, something. Yeah, soldiers would enhance weapon to deal with Spawn. So in this one, of course, Spawn's pissed. That he, you know, and it's a great image of Spawn with, with the shoelaces in his face, screaming traitor to Terry because Terry's helping this force. Not Terry not realizing that Spawn has been actually helping him the whole time. And Terry, I mean, uh, Wynn gives the order to the soldiers to attack. They start shooting with these super weapons, which actually seem to hurt Spawn a little bit. Spawn goes ape shit, starts throwing shit around. Wynn gets hurt. He, uh, I thought it was pretty fucked up where that, that uh, black guard comes in to defend Wynn. Wynn yep, grabs the gun. We're worth pointing out. So Spawn and Wynn, who they finally tell us to, is Special Security Sector 12. So whatever secret shady government organization he's a part of, that's his actual name, rank, serial number, whatever the fuck you want to call it. And so when these these uh, soldiers come in with Terry to try to wrangle Spawn, Spawn basically grabs Wynn, jumps out a window, and so they're in an office building across the way, and so it's a rent-a-cop from this place who shows up to see what the hell's going on. Yeah, and Wynn grabs a gun and shoots him in the head. Yeah, he, uh, something about him being a sacrificial pig, and it's like, yeah. I'm pretty sure you could have gotten everybody against Spawn anyway. You really didn't need to kill the cop. I guess it's just a reminder for us, the readers, that he's a really bad dude. Yes, and so at that point, uh, let me see, Spawn is battling. These troops are kicking his ass. Uh, the suit is kind of helping him jump around. He's, he goes to the water tower. He's being chased by helicopters. Now, when they launched the missile, were there, was their intention to blow up Spawn, everybody in the building? I, I'm sure they did not have any regard for for anybody but terminating Spawn. Yeah, and for some reason, I have a note in state here saying Merrill lynched by missile. I don't know what that note was, but that was my note. Out of the Merrill Lynch building? Maybe so. And uh, they, well, probably one of the reasons why Spawn was getting his ass handed to him to some degree is that he's refusing to use any of his Spawn powers. It's all him in his suit. Therefore, yeah. the Spawnometer is still set at 6887. Okay. And then, of course, we go back to Santa Twitch. They're trying to figure out how they're going to deal with the chief. Uh, Twitch kind of talks shit to the chief. Well, Grab it's out. an it's, this is, I think, very important as, as a bit of anti-copaganda is that apparently arrangements have been made for IA to get a copy of the folder that Sam and Twitch had been given by Spawn and Internal Affairs clears banks so they can no longer, no longer use that against him. So this is another example of a totally corrupt cop who should have completely lost his job, getting protected by that thin blue line bullshit and even though he's helped serial killers and shit, he's still on the force because the force wants him there. So, same fucking story 30 years later, let me tell you motherfucking a cab okay banks is actually talking about finally firing burke saying you've been a pain to me for over four years so i guess that kind of helps to establish how long burke's been at that particular department you know aim for the king better not miss as it happens burke is a sharpshooter and he basically tells him if you try to pull any bullshit i'm just going to shoot you in the motherfucking eye so <laughs> i think we know who got the huevos in this t this uh pairing yes uh but then of course wanda and grandma are talking uh the next scene is apparently win got wounded during the confrontation with Spawn. Uh, his soldiers are there. Clown shows up. Kind of makes fun of him about the battle, uh, but lets him know that he's doing. He's pretty much going along the plan that Clown has set up. Well, we see the talking heads again discussing the terrorist attack, yeah. which was basically Spawn. Everything that they, they did, all the destruction that was wrought, was chalked up to terrorists rather than evil, shady government types. Black helicopters, woo-woo. Uh, yeah. It's noted by the people who are higher up on the food chain than when probably the military-industrial complex that when is seen by the 
them as expendable. Clown is around to help sort that out because Clown sees the value in win. And then Spawn, I don't even know why, probably because of the confrontation involving Terry, decides to go visit Wanda at her home. And that goes about as well as one might expect. Wanda uh, freaks out. Yeah. Uh, he's talking about her. But at this point, she she has an idea that he's she's he's out. Yeah, I thought that that's what she got in that issue where she's on the cover in the alley or something. Or one of the yeah. one of the previous encounters, I think she finally got wind of him being Al Simmons, I think. But, you know, it all runs together after a while. Terry's a traitor, and he's, he's lying to them both. Um, Wanda's pissed off because that's her husband. She doesn't trust Spawn 100%, and then, of course, Cyan comes in. Mommy, why are you crying? She's crying, and, of course, Spawn feels like a dick that he is, and it just kind of fucking goes back to his alleyway and just starts freaking the fuck out. And one thing, he has one line to her that I thought was interesting. He says, well, I promised I wouldn't hurt you again. Remember that at Coney Island. And I'm wondering if that isn't a reference to something that we're not going to get paid off for for like a hundred and some odd issues and a different writer. <laughs> I, I'm not joking. I mean, do you remember, you, you remember, are you thinking the same thing I'm thinking? Nope. Oh, you don't remember? Don't even, nope. Don't even remember that. Okay. Well, if, if, if I believe it was during the Armageddon arc toward the end of it, where we get a revelation about the relationship between Al and Wanda. And I, I want to say, I'm, I'm not sure if they knew that's what they were setting up, but I think that that is, uh, that, that line was turned into something way down the line. Oh, really? Yeah. So thoughts on the issue? Uh, Good action. Uh, uh, don't understand why Spawn can't ever finish the job with Jason Wynn because he's got no reason not to really, right? Like, what? What do we ever have a, res, a, a rationalization for why he just doesn't fucking rip Wynn's head off and, and do a stinky on him, you know? Well, I, don't, he, I mean, yeah, I mean, he could at any time. I mean, what's really stopping him? There's nothing really stopping him from doing it. It's not like Wanda's like, oh, don't do it. Spawn is America's number one comic book thanks to you. So I started this company to make the toys that you asked for. Spawn Violator. I hear the competition's flying around. They could be any place. They're cool. Awesome. Tremor. Overkill. Medieval Spawn. The Clown. And they come with comics. Nice toys, kids. Nice try, guys. Spawn from Todd Toys. We're out to plaster the competition. Welcome, boys and girls and children. Oh, wait, no. Yeah, no children. We, we've been down that road before. Let's not do that again. I was going to say, welcome, boys and girls. Yeah, no, no. We're not, we're, not do, we're not doing any more Danny Kincaid openings. Or Billy Kincaid, whatever the hell. Yeah. I need a pickup and delivery. Mm-hmm. A child. Nothing serious. Someone will contact you with the details. Got it. Hello, little girl. <laughs> do you like Duty Fruity? <laughs> An all-new episode, Friday, Midnight. Abandon E. No, 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 no. I'm not making you do a, You're not doing an intro. You're just you're sending us into the episode. Hola, senores. No. Oh, Jesus. Oh, come on, dude. Spanish would have been funny. A Spanish spawn. <laughs> But a little ragadon in that background, eh? <laughs> now I'm picturing Spawn in a sombrero and shit. Dude. I, the red and green kind of would work. You know what? Spawn with bullets. He already did the bandoliers. bullets across his chest. Yeah, they did like a cowboy Spawn Fuck with yes, bandoliers, dude, I remember correctly. Did they do a cowboy Spawn? I think they did one with bandoliers, like you said. Really? I think they did a cowboy Spawn, yeah. Because I think at one point they were doing a fucking Spawn for everything, weren't they? Like pirate Spawn. Yeah. Accountant Spawn. Right. Well, because they were making the toys. Shopkeeper Spawn. So they, they needed uh, fuel for the action figures. So yeah, they made a 
a bunch of that shit that I don't think ever got manifested. Actually, what I'm looking for, I want, I want to get some are those dragon spawn. Do you remember those? The Asian style yeah, ones. The, the, dude, those. Again, me and okay. So side side rant. So I've been hanging out with Fryho and we've been hitting the local toy shops for looking for exclusive build a figures and stuff like that. And um, I went to a, a shop and they were selling spawn figures for like three bucks, <laughs> wetworks figures for like three bucks. Like basically, I could have bought all the image comic book characters. I I'm gonna go back because at the time I was broke, but I wanted to pick up like the wetworks. Yeah, I've got I've got a number of spawn figures I want to pick up. So I, yeah, I'd like I told to check Frank, those. I told uh, Fryho that you had all those at your house. Um, uh, they had like Shadowhawk, which I was like, and I told the guy, hey man, can you hold these? Like, nah. He's like, I'm just trying to get rid of them. Mm. So I said, well, I said, well, I want to buy them. He's like, dude, they've been sitting here for a while. They'll be here for a while. Long. I said, cool, I'll be back. Yeah. So I'm thinking about running up there and pick them up. Um, well, I mean, there's a huge surplus of Spawn figures out there because there were a lot of collectors buying those and storing them. But those dragon ones apparently are hard to come by. They're Maybe so. Expensive. Yeah, I, 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 and I, I want at least one dragon figure. I don't care which one I get, but I want at least one of them. I, I did. They did one for through McFarlane. They did several. There was like a I'd, red one. Yeah, I'd rather one, I'd rather do it through McFarlane just for scale and for sculpting quality. But they did. I mean, he had his own action figure line based on the the comic, the cartoon. Did, well, and they also did some like one of these independent universe. Like I think there was a line called Amazing Heroes, maybe mm-hmm. that he was a part of. So there have been a bunch of them because he was in, he was part of a line with like Michael Orwood's Madman and some other ones. Yeah. Well, the, the dragon ones that I'm thinking about, like I said, they're those the Japanese knights mm-hmm. looked fantastic. He had some up on the shelf, and I was like, man, those look really nice. I mean, it looked more like statues. Yeah, and I um, want to say those were later too. Like I Spawn had its heyday and then they got kind of weird there toward the end and then they they, they stopped oh yeah, they started making, doing like fairy tale shit. Right. They like, stopped making Spawn figures and they started doing the cuz that's what he doesn't really do Spawn stuff anymore. I mean, he does limited runs of things. I but, have the little Nicky dog. Right, right, right. But but that's exactly it. He does a lot of movies yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. And the crazy thing is I got that at the dollar store. <laughs> yeah. Went to the dollar store. I'm I'm buying like some chips and there's just like this fucking Spawn or McFarlane Little Nicky pet bulldog urinating, just sitting on a shelf for a dollar. I'm like, I'd buy that for a dollar. Yeah, I'm sure he took a bath on Little Nicky merchandise. Well, Probably I mean, had a lot of returns on that front. So I, you know, and again, I'm not well versed in the toy world. Fryhole's introducing me to it, and so I've met people there. And but he's McFarland is praised as creating the new, the new, uh, the modern toy market, market the marketplace yeah. of it. And like, he definitely raised the bar, the yeah. standards of well, toys. Well, yeah, the were, standards of the toys, but not just that, but the collectability of them. Sure. Yeah. We're now like. Dude, I'm, I, I went to this guy's house and he's like, oh, check out this figure. It's a toy. And he's like, oh, it's $100. I'm like, dude, $100. And he had just like, he was cleaning his shelves because he puts them up on shelves and stuff. And he was, he had them just all thrown on the floor. And I'm like, dude, that's like throwing $100 on the ground. Like, that's crazy. That's crazy. Um, and so I was kind of getting into the build build a figure stuff, Marvel way, Marvel yeah. wise. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of cool. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, but, but on topic. Imagine a substance with the power to destroy humanity. Imagine a creature insane enough to use it. Imagine a hero on the verge of creation. From flesh to steel. You must visualize your objective. From blood to blade. Don't get cocky. You have a lot more to learn. From man to spawn. Peekaboo. I see you. We 
have harvested the ultimate weapon. Makes the Ebola virus look like a skin rash. Congrats your freakalations. I say destroy the cosmos, ask questions later. Who are you? This is just what they want. You're playing their game. Then I'll play dirty. You've been violated, girly man. You should arm us. Now stay sharp. The night is young. This summer, evil has a new enemy. Justice has a new weapon. And the world has a new hero. So, Mac, I don't know if we've ever talked to you about Spawn before. We've talked around Spawn, I think, more than about it. Now, you were collecting when Spawn was coming out, but you were not an image guy. Did you ever I, have any interest in Spawn as a, as a book when it was early coming out? So, I worked part-time, like fill-in for a comic shop called Strike Zone in Flagstaff, Arizona, which, try and look it up, folks. They can't even fucking find it. This shit is fucking defunct years and years ago, right? I would fill in so the dude could go get like, his lunch breaks and shit like that, even though I was sixth grade, seventh mm-hmm. grade. It was bizarre our time this is the 90s people you, did you have double digits i assume yeah, yeah, yeah low yeah. Dels, double digits yeah like yeah that. i was going there regularly and working there regularly when like spawn one was coming out when savage dragon number one was coming out and just knowing that i had never seen the places packed now back then comic shops would like get packed on on comic days but i remember that it was like you, you would walk up these stairs into the card shop place and there would be some dudes in the card shop and then you would take a right to go into the comic shop took up two rooms it was basically like a two-story house and the second floor was all the comp was the card shop and comic shop and it would be like like you'd have to go basically wait in a line to get into the rooms because there's so many people looking at all the comics people grabbing the latest issue of wizard uh and and spawn savage dragon and all the x books so i've definitely flipped through them but i never had really interest in buying them mm-hmm. because it just wasn't so have you ever read an individual issue of spawn i'm sure i have but you don't remember which one no, you no. no. but you're aware that it was very successful you yeah, were really, oh, sure. very popular absolutely i believe by comic count it's the most successful in independent comic book ever sounds right yeah right yeah especially on a month-to-month basis yeah. like maybe some of the I, mean, I, I think i think spawn number one was the single best-selling indie book and then every month it was doing numbers close to that so yeah i mean i think the i mean you can talk about independent book property and it's probably i would still say teenage mutant ninja turtles is above spawn right <laughs> Like there's still as a comic book uh, no not comic book yeah I mean as a property oh yeah, no no it's, oh god yeah as a multimedia property yeah, oh yeah there's no competition no what? it's definitely Turtles where have you been dude we're talking about the most successful independent comic book is Spawn as a comic book as a comic, comic book, book. Yeah, as but a, as a independent comic IP? book property nah, it's gotta be TMNT right oh yeah dude I mean they own the 80 mm-hmm. the comic book they're the 90s still too. making movies yeah. even yeah. if they're bad they're still making cartoons I still had a Ninja Turtle show up for uh halloween and i mean they're still producing the comics like mm. the last the last ronin turtle or some shit just came out so they're still producing comics at the because my understanding is that the way the rights work is he, they sold the rights for the cartoons the mo- everything but the comic they still get to produce they, they, the yeah comics. they can still produce whatever comic book they want to yeah. so like i i still see i so see technically that's the longest running comic book wouldn't it be it would surpass spawn independent comic yeah not continuously not continuously, they have gaps yeah. and different yeah. publishers and everything else yeah. anyway sorry i didn't mean to distract 
No, so you're fine. Um, so did you, like, you bought Toy Biz action figures of your Marvel guys and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. Did you ever make the leap to the McFarlane yeah, or, so or like, the early days Todd Toys figures? Yes, yeah, yeah. So I definitely bought more McFarlane Spawn toys than I bought Spawn comic books. And so yeah, I had, like, Cygor is- and the Rhinoceros dude, and I had a Violator. I had a Medieval Spawn. I had an Angela. Um, I, I had several. Yeah. Why? Because they were awesome. Mm-hmm. And you just said I was collecting the Toy Biz toy. I mean, you put any oh god Toy Biz toy side by side. Uh, Honestly, you can take some of these modern day Marvel Legends and you put them up against those early day Spawn McFarlane figures, and they're it's like on par, if not still better. Yeah, like the the first series was still close to Heroes of the Toy Biz, but by the second, third, fourth series, there was no competition anymore. Like that that Cygor today is still yeah awesome. Oh, you should see the one I bought the other day Uh, though. It's incredible. Oh, the yeah, it's incredible. Oh, and I, and I put my spawn with the throne together as well, right next to the Martian Manhunter that Mac got me. That was a weird tr- crossover, but uh, it still, still worked pretty well. You vibrating? No, I got you some. Okay. <laughs> you totally told me to, to remember to tell yeah, him that. I totally forgot and about 15 it. minutes later. Oh, badass. Thank you, dude. Oh, I love that. That is so cool. You can put that with Manhunter. Oh, shit. Oh, yeah. That'd be kind of cool, yeah. actually. That yeah. actually goes to the DC character. Cool. Cool. No, I dig this. Thank you. Um, It's a Starro, by Starro. Yeah. Starro, everyone. This is not uh, a Ooh, so, it's got really good detail in. Inside. Oh yeah, I know the, the, the even the though that suckers. would be on the face. Now I'm sure, Mister Fixit, you were probably buying the toys very early on as well. Yes, I, you probably I bought the first series. I'm sure when they were first yes. coming out. Uh, any stories about those early toys? Going to Toys R Us and like fucking the dudes bringing out boxes and shit, and everyone trying to find that one variant or I mean, I, wasn't Angela one of the tough ones to get in the early days? Like one of the well, real they, ones. So they were stuff. doing this weird shit. Like you would go to a shop and they'd have like a gold spawn, and you're like, I never heard about it. So mm-hmm. I don't know if they cracked it open like fucking. Painted it gold and then threw it back in like the packaging or there was there was I mean that, that there was, was so that many was variants age of variants where yeah there was variants of everything variants <laughs> of variants it percolated through all yeah. comic related media you, oh. you just triggered a memory of mine when I was in Japan there was a very few shops that had old stuff one of the things that was really frustrating you just think oh I want to find all this cool stuff and you just seeing the same one piece statues over and over again it's all they want the new shit over there so all their stores they've got so many different stores but they're also all the new shit a lot like comic convention today where you just keep seeing the same modern shit so you would have to really go hunting to the little out of the way places to get cool shit but when I did finally find Spawn stuff because I was trying to find stuff since we got the podcast and everything else I kept finding what they had in stock were those early year variants Gold Angela Gold Spawn I think there was like a blue or purple translucent one or shit like that all, they had all those different variants it's like A the last thing I need to put in the suitcase is a goddamn Spawn figure but also and they're not really worth anything anymore no. but for some reason they had a ton of those fucking variants over, I remember the gold overkill. Okay. It was one that was all gold. Yeah, that, I think they had and that too. I, yeah. I remember going to a shop in Almeida Mall. There was a comic shop in there and they had all the, I remember there was like a gold one and a red one and they the price tags were like ridiculous. Oh yeah. Oh, they, they, like there was 40 very... to $50 a piece. And I remember thinking, who's going to buy that for? And the guy was like, oh, it's going to be three times that in like 10 years from now. They're like, <laughs> they were trying to make, like upselling the shit. And I remember even thinking like, but I've seen this on like five other shops. Right. Like, it made no sense. I remember him saying that and thinking like I just came from another shop and they had the exact same figures if not the same price less mm-hmm. and then we went to another shop and the same fucking figure and I was thinking oh no nowadays uh, so my thing now is the Marvel Legends and stuff like that we went to a toy show and a guy was selling he had so he had Marvel Legends and new stuff on the top you know trying to sell the new stuff that's coming out at cheap prices because even those become peg warmers he had two boxes underneath his table and the boxes said five dollar each so I'm like oh what's in there oh, but nothing but spawn figures mm-hmm. nothing so I picked up a, 
a couple of the old uh, anime robot spawns. Okay, yeah, I remember like those. Five bucks. Opened that was like up, the ninth series like or something. Crumbled. Oh wow! Like the plastic was so cheap. I bought the green one. I bought the spawn one. I bought, I think, an Angela one. And I'm like, oh, these look pretty awesome. And, and I was like, you know what? They'll just be like statues. Took them out, dude. They were falling apart. So mm. But I, I paid fifteen. I, I think honestly, five bucks a pop. I think, it's honestly, no, you can, I think, you can lose shit for five bucks a pop. Honestly, kind of I think he gave them. He sold to me like ten bucks for three. Just he wanted to move them out, right? Because he just had boxes of that shit. So I was like, oh, okay. Because I was looking for an old school spawn because I have the the newer McFarland spawn mm-hmm. you saw, and I wanted an older spawn to put next to it. You know, just shot size comparison and and you know articulation. Right. We want our scale, but yeah. he had everything but spawn. So I was yeah. like a little disappointed on that. Well, and, and I think that's one of the issues you'll find too. A lot of the toy stores. I know you can speak to this, where people still want representations of the characters that they have affection for, and then the weird fucking variations. There just isn't a lot of demand for that shit, and those seem to accumulate. Well, I remember, like I said, I found a box in my mom's attic that had tons of. But I have like the snake creature and the werewolf. Well, you, I remember when we did the blood feud episode, you were talking about how you didn't realize I that character sacred from the I comics. Fucking yeah. the freak, and um, I have the fucking spider chick, and I have the half spawn mask one, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, no. oh yeah, yeah, I forgot the one where he's got that half hamburger head and half yeah, mask. Yeah, um, so many fucking. They put so many different heads on that original Spawn. I, f- I have swear. The, the original Redeemer. Well, because I remember I like with Spawn Redeemer. fifty, if you ordered enough copies, you got the I think the hamburger head or the half face one. Mm-hmm. So that was an incentive for Spawn fifty specifically, if I remember correctly. So yeah, I mean, the- <sighs> well, because you know what happened is the, the comic book market collapsed, and so the, all those investors were looking for someplace else to turn a quick bunk buck on junk bonds. They got into sports cards, but that was already collapsing as well and so the next things were action figures magic the gathering and before long you had like tie beanie babies and and pokemon, early stage pokemon yeah so the, so the but a lot of that money it was already in comics before the bus and around that time period was already moving into toys and then once mcfarlane got in there he really supercharged it i do remember though there was an early issue or there was an issue of spawn where he's talking about the the production of his toys and he's proudly showing off his uh building and, and, and yes and, and all, everybody came for him because it's like, dude, you're showing us pictures of a sweatshop. You're operating a sweatshop. <laughs> you remember that shit? Yeah. They got oh, real yeah. fucking bit out of that shit. But yeah, they were, it, again, it was a big investment thing. For making Spawn America's number one comic, I started this company to make the toys that you kids want. Spawn Violator here now. These guys are bigger than life. Cool chains. Giant fangs. Spawnmobile. Monster rig. Spawn Alley. Shooting skulls. Busting walls. It's great making the toys that you want. So great, I made some for myself. Spawn from Todd Toys. We're out to blast the competition. So I think I tried this before, but I don't remember if I recorded it. If I did record it, I don't remember where it got recorded or where it got lost or what have you. But since this is Spawn Honor number 25... I figured we'd take a minute to look at some of the special issues of Spawn that I managed to find while looking at various comic-related establishments in Japan. Uh, It was difficult finding Western comics in Japan, uh, especially stuff that would be relevant to us that we'd be into. If you're like a Miss Marvel fan or a Squirrel Girl fan or Deadpool fan, I think it was Gwynpool especially, they got a lot of that stuff. Really? Yeah. yeah. Anybody tries to tell me that, oh, Miss Marvel, that's just something they tried to impose on on us. It's like, you guys hadn't been to Japan, man. Miss Marvel is big over there, let me tell you. Uh, I mean, probably because the the early artist especially was by man influenced mm-hmm. and so I think that maybe helped put her over well they they definitely 
but they, but they, they lend gotta, themselves to that, that style of art already. Yeah. But I mean, she, she's in the, I actually would see her like on the stands on occasion, but it's, but like the bookstores certainly, I like just the standard bookstores, not just the manga. Did you see like X Men books or Captain America books anywhere? <sighs> not nearly as much. No, no. they they tended to like like Runaways and Miss Marvel. Really? Yeah, stuff like that. So more female strong characters. I think so. Yeah, I mean, definitely that was an aspect of it. I'd, I'd actually have to check the film. I took pictures of the spines to mm-hmm. get a sense of what it is. Hitman surprisingly popular over there. Really, Garth yeah, is Hitman. Yeah, I, I wasn't expecting to see so much Hitman. Wow, well, dude, it's a fantastic book. What yeah, are you talking that's about? That's a good book. And we're gonna be starting a Hitman podcast. I'd hit that. So uh, right here is issue number one. It's from Dijinki Comics. I paid 200 yen, which was a steal, let me tell you. And this, I think, like something like three or four issues. It's like a little mini trade paperback. And it's got, I think that's the cover, what was that? Spawn number three? Did, oh, so you haven't opened it yet? No, I never, I, it came uh, shrink wrap. It's for prestige. And so I do they do that with other comics? Pop it open. Do they do that with other comics? or with the? They don't typically sell floppies. I mean, you can get floppies, but they're all imports, so it's literally the same stuff we buy. Um, oh, but, so it's in English, too. No, it is not. No, there's kanji in there. Well, this back, the back cover is all in English. All the artwork in the back cover is all English. Hmm, interesting. I, I, I did crack one of them open, so I so they, a little bit of a base for comparison there. So like, maybe that's yeah. If you look at the back art and the back page, it's all English. I was like, oh, that's okay. kind of cool. I don't think I'm gonna crack it open though. It's on nice glossy stock paper though. Really, they they definitely know how to treat their stuff over there. And one day it's gold. I'm telling you, it's gonna be gold. Uh, I paid 200 yen, so that's not much. Of, that sure ain't gold right now. But speaking of gold, I do have a gold one here. The one reason why I bought these, besides the fact that you know we have the Spawn podcast, is because Tommy Fawning. Has, is known for disliking enhanced covers. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the States, he has not allowed, to my recollection, any of the Spawn covers to be enhanced. He might have done like a glow-in-the-dark really? or something at one point, but for Are the most part, sure? he doesn't do it. Are well, you for, sure? for, I mean, for years, he wouldn't even do variant covers. I think it was after, oh, B issue 100 was the first time he let there be variant covers. But anyway, so we do have a gold cover here. This is Spawn number 10, another 200 dinner. It says here, thank you to all my fans for your support. We can't do it without you. Keep the attitude coming, Todd McFarlane. And I th- think this one contains issue 25 and that's why it's got the gold do you want to describe the cover right quick though it is spawn with his cape going everywhere spoiler alert <laughs> and chains um but it's like a monochromatic so shadow it's just all black and gold is it is that plain like like bronzy not even bronze but like kind of a copper color you know it's just like a, a metallic ink but the really flat boring one but the logo is in a shiny uh silver is it in white not, sorry, sorry so, so is it white it's, oh, it's it's a white logo with gold like shiny gold shadow shadow or whatever yeah Outlining. Oh, yeah, very cool. This here would be a collector's edition. Maybe here, not over there. No, I'm saying uh, here it'd be like for every 50 issues you buy, there might be one in the box. Hmm, that's pretty cool. I think this is, this is, looks, what covers was this? I don't know. Like I said, I think it collects, I think 25 is in that okay. collection though. That's pretty cool. I like the, I like the fact that they shrimp, shrink wrap the books. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And this one I went ahead and cracked open because I wanted to see what it looked like on the inside. This is Spawn 20, and you can crack it open if you want to take a look at it right quick. And if you join our Patreon now, you could be one of the first. Yeah, I'll do that shit. Get exclusive access to these covers and more. <laughs> you know, Rolled Spine got into that very recently, too. They've been what? pushing their Patreon page. Rolled Spine? No, sorry, not Rolled Spine. Uh, Fire and Water podcast. Oh, page. I was about to say, are we doing next? No, I never got to get paid, man. They got mortgage. They're starting to push that shit? Yeah, yeah. 
we had this whole conversation already. Not with me. Did we? Yes, we had a whole conversation. I, I wasn't there. Yes. Really? I think it's on a text chain that we went back and we all three oh. of us went back and forth on forever. So what do people pay for then? Just to listen to them? Uh, so I think they do incentives. Like yeah, you, well, they have you, to. If, if point. you do so many, if you give us so much donation, they'll do a Transformers episode, even though everybody knows that Rob was into Transformers and stuff like that. Oh, wow. Damn, it was colored boxes being smashed together. Remember, because I was, I was telling you that I thought it was fine to offset the cost of something like, what, what was the name of the website I told you that, that lets you do web podcasting mm. and it's like super high quality. It's way better than the shitty Hangouts or Skype. It's like a clean line mm-hmm. so that both ends recording. is. It sounds like you're all in the same room, okay. but it's a subscription-based website. So it's like if you're going to use the money to provide, to either buy better equipment or to pay to offset the cost of a subscription. Or do specialized content that's requested. Yeah. Even that's a little so-so to me. Th- then I don't have a problem with it. Like, like if we were to hit our, our gigabyte cap on Shout Engine and it was going to start costing us five bucks a month, like I don't yeah. set up a Patreon. If, if you've got hundreds of people listening to your podcast, they can't contribute 25 cents each to help you offset the cost of the subscription so you can continue to keep the stream going. Like I, I don't have any problem. I wish we did stuff like this. This is great. Okay, so what, what is in contained in that book? Um, it looks like maybe three or four issues of Spawn. Yeah, which is typical, but did you see which ones? No, I couldn't tell, man. It's it's all Greg Pulo stuff, though, by that point. So maybe the gold tin was the 50th, and this one's like later, like close to 100, maybe? Really nice paper. Yeah. Yeah. Very high Heavy stock, glossy stock. Very high quality. You see this kanji on the inside, too. Yes. Yeah. They don't reverse this, though. They, they, it's still red, left and right, like we do here in the States. So I guess it's a novelty for them, too. But I do like, like that, that front cover. I like that. It's just. So, yeah, describe the front cover. Yeah, dust jacket. Yeah. Like, dude, a trade paperback with a dust jacket. That's just so cool. Yeah. And it's a silver foil uh, dust jacket with an image of Spawn. And then if you look on the uh, inside uh, the, of the dust jacket, you'll see, let's see, Spawn 20 is on there, you know, with like kind of stylized. On the inside, it's a, a monochromatic green tinge. It's sort of just the generic mood thing, like smoke or something. So in American dollars, how much would this have set you back? Oh, okay. That's the part I was wanting to say. See, on the back uh, of the dust jacket, on the inside cover portion, it's a reproduction of a bunch of the, of the covers up to that point. So you can get to see them in that foil uh, versions of, of the spawn covers. So you're not just getting this one as a spawn uh, foil cover, you're getting all of them represented in in foil. Small, postage stamp size, but still. So I think I did pay a little extra for this one. I think I probably paid something along the lines of 400 yen, which is less than four bucks if I recall correctly. No way. Because I think 100 yen is like something like 100 yen to the dollar. or So it's, it was either slightly more or slightly less than a dollar, so 100 yen isn't that much. Wow, so all that for four bucks. Roughly. And, uh, you know what? I think I'm mistaken. I think it might have been... Yeah, no, it was only like $2. Yeah. You, move, you basically move the decimal point two points over. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's not quite that, but it's pretty close to it. But I think you think it's a little less than. So That's yeah. still crazy, man. Next time. Uh, well, yeah, I, I, the, I bet if you go to Japan, inside of all the see- comic shops, it's got his face on it saying this guy's been shortchanging all these dudes. He's like, <laughs> he's like oh, it's like $2. It's supposed to be like $20 because he's doing his math wrong. He's well, short, the short thing, too, is the one I, I bought it and it was 600 yen, but it was actually discounted because the original retail price was 1200 yen. Hey, Google, what is 600 yen in American dollars? 600 Japanese yen is approximately $5.52. See? Hey, Google, I love you. I believe this moment finally came. <laughs> you should know I think you're the best. I feel better. Notice the lack of love, though. Treacherous. I feel a little bit better about myself right now. Hey, Google, tell us a joke. Here's a Thanksgiving joke. What's the most musical part of a turkey? The drumsticks. 
Hey, I think we found our fourth Four podcast. <laughs> well, at least we finally get a woman on the show right now. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Google, do you enjoy the Spawn comic book? Sorry, I don't understand. So she's just like you, fix it. Yeah, I don't understand. (laughs) Spawn is the character, just so you don't have any reflection there. And he has himself a comic book company called Image and McFarlane Toys. Toys. Now, this is what's so cool. Hasbro and and Mattel come in and say, we want to come out with a toy line. McFarlane says, that's fine, but I have to have total control of my toys. Hasbro and go, I'm not giving anybody control whose office is on top of their garage in Phoenix, Arizona. That's the response to him. Yeah. He says, I'm going to do it myself. And what he did was change the course of toy action figures. Well, the detail... I must say, is, is remarkable. Is really good, and he's forcing other toy makers to upgrade to make their quality. Ch- changes. Spawn. He leaps into battle with the most pulverizing arsenal of power you've ever seen. Spawn. With weapons beyond your wildest imagination, the vicious vandalizer storms the ice age, but Viking Spawn's thrashing thunderclub knocks him out cold. Battle-clad Spawn wages war with the heavily armed Overkill, chopping down with his double-edged hammer blade to bury the beast. And when the frightening freak makes the night look bleak. Alien Spawn's Gamma Launcher bolts this nut to the ground. Spawn figures each sold separately. Plenty of people who were going there buying those exclusives and those those limited editions with the expectation now, of college. How much, how much did you buy pay for your spawn with the throne? Well, the, again, so I think that that was a retail cost of thirty nine dollars. Okay. So I paid less than twenty dollars for mine. Yes. So uh, me and Fryhole were talking about this. <laughs> so McFarland does a great job of keeping the price down, but he's not real great on paint. Like his are very boring, very simple colors. The articulation is okay, but he pushes a lot. Of product so like that starro came up with a group of i i built the oh actually fryhole built the giant starro which is amazing articulations and saying everything about it and, and this is mcfarlane mcfarlane yes so he does a great job of, he did the suicide squad ones right yeah with king shark yeah which i almost have complete king shark the only like i said his i joke with fryhole because when we go when i go to the store and i go look at the pegs you'll see a couple marvel legends but you'll see fucking shelves of fucking the dc stuff which is really strange to me like i i like some of his stuff it's really nice but it just doesn't sell it's, like they're missing something well yeah. I, I think part they of look, the problem and, they, and it's not that they don't look great and if you put mm. one of those Marvel Legends next to those DC figures they look better some of them but not. there's just something you I, see I think that the, they're the, too statue that know. I think that will, you got me the Marsh Manhunter and they do have a, a lot of nice articulation on that I, I played around with it a little bit I'm planning I haven't put, I haven't posed him yet but I know there's a lot of potential there for some good posing I think the problem and it's what, one of the reasons why I hadn't bought it I wouldn't really actually seeking it out but when you said hey I found one you want it I was like yeah sure go and grab it partly because I love that he does have the folded collar and it occurred to me I'm not sure if I have a figure in that scale that has the folded collar because that's my preferred if you're going to do a classic is this the original classic yeah yeah well this is this is kind of 80s with a little bit of the more recent Manhunter that Josh Middleton's been doing for the covers but it's not the the one with the black and the no 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 it's a classic costume 100% but like the face sculpt is more reminiscent of the the more recent like not so much Roddy Rossmo but a little bit of that but more the Josh Middleton covers from that series that people responded really well to. A lot of the artwork I see involving Marsh Manor online these days is from those Josh Middleton, and they were variant covers too. They weren't even the main covers, but the design of the face is similar to that. But the costume is straight up classic. You know, no no New Fifty Two affectations or anything like that. And there aren't a lot of well articulated figures that aren't from the Supergirl show or some shit like 
that, you know. So yeah. that's one of the reasons why it's like, do I need another Manhunter figure? Maybe this one. Maybe this one. So and I, so I'm glad you picked it up. And especially now that I have a spawn to scale, then that's I can play with that as well. Um, shit, what was my point though? Oh yeah, the point is though, I think the problem I'm having with the Mark McFarlane stuff is that, with the exception of stuff like the Suicide Squad, which I have seen, but not in the abundance I have, like Superman, for instance, he needs to probably make somewhat more obscure characters, or he needs to find characters that haven't been as fully exploited for toys. And instead, he's doing a lot of Superman, Batman type shit. Oh, variants like crazy. And dude. and there's just the the market is decades deep saturated with that shit. You know, it don't tr- the McFarlane branding and the McFarlane articulation. I don't think is enough to sell these guys we've bought over and over and over again. Trust me, dude. I just came from a toy shop today and they had hazmat Batman, and it was like I think they were asking like eight bucks for it, and I passed on it because I'm like, who fucking needs a hazmat Batman? I don't. Well, well, let's not let's not pretend like the Marvel Legends don't go a little derivative. Oh no, they do. Oh no, no, <laughs> with their all of them, all of them are. They're gonna do like their... every line's got to have an Iron Man that's just repainted, and they never give you a build a figure well, piece like with any of the Iron Man. Suits, right? I, it doesn't it doesn't mean it's right. But see, one well, no, 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 Marvel Legends right. smart is they like they just came out with Bone Crusher. They do the obscure. They go very obscure. Yeah, which I, but, I like. Mister Hyde looks fine. The controller, dude. I just got the controller's head. He looks awesome. It's fucking insane on yeah. his face, dude. So I know we're going off topic. Yeah. Go ahead. But no, it's okay. But we're kind of talking a little bit about like falling in a bit of a decline. I mean, he got the DC license in part because DC was outsourcing the shit. They didn't want to have to. They, they were tired of the person they were dealing with for the longest time. So they probably wanted more of a stake in it or more money or whatever. Or they just wanted somebody easier to deal with a smaller company. I don't know. Anyway, McFarlane in its prime. When do you think that would be? Because they they were in the prime for a really long time. It felt like like I think that in terms of like sculpts, the one I was what? buying because because again I wasn't a, I didn't buy the comic books. I really wasn't a fan of the comic books. I did have an original Spawn at one point in time. I definitely had Angela because I did have more interest in that character at that time period. But I bought stuff like the Wet Works Werewolf just because he was so oh, freaking I had, cool. I had all I have Dane and Dozer. Mm-hmm. I got all those dudes too. Uh, Frankenstein was totally rad. There's a lot of these characters I just got because they were just such cool sculpt, regardless of who the character was being rendered. It's only in recent years the that paint, I, I like the paint on those wet I, works. That gold on the wet works character well, no, is really cool. Oh, yeah. McFarlane. Well, and they also had the flesh variants too. Yeah, so I, I got to me, when he peaked was when he did the Akira stuff. Oh, yeah. Those which were nice. I wish I had picked up because now it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But it's gorgeous. Like, it's... He took the... He took the... Where they... The sculptor was able to look at the, the animated cell and reproduce reproduce it in a, you know, three dimension. Like, you look at it and it looks like the it's style leaping off of it. Yeah, it's leaping off of the screen. And, you know, he has Kaneda's bike, Kaneda, Tetsuo. I mean, they look phenomenal. Tetsuo! With, I hate it because I, <laughs> I remember buying those when they first came out and I had them on a shelf and thinking, oh, they're kind of cool. And then I chunked them in a box and the box disappeared and I don't know where that. And now you go to a, sh- a, a show and they're easily a hundred bucks a pop. Well, and, and then don't forget all of his uh, sports contracts he's got. Yes. I mean, because again, got, you I used got, to have like starting lineup and like, stuff. I got my, oh, I know. And these things, like I got my J.J. Watt, my Akeem Olajuwon. I got a James Harden over there. Uh, it's my Bagwell and Biggio. Like I, his, the sports stuff is like really good. Mm-hmm. And those work with no articulation because they sh- they're meant to be posed. Yeah. They're supposed to be little like statues. They got a sliver of the court. Well, and sorry, lineup had the shitty like quasi like you can move the arm a little bit. Really, you didn't you couldn't do much with those guys either. Right. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But but McFarlane of course took it to a whole other level, and that's how like McFarlane really because they set the new standard for figures. Oh no, absolutely. He he moved the bar. Yeah. Easily. And, and ended up again taking over a lot of these these lines. Now I'm sure that the demand wasn't as much as they had been for starting lineups because starting lineups was another one of those things where. The 
people were investing like crazy in those for a long time, and the bottom eventually fell out on that as well. That. Didn't they? No, well, starting lineups. Yeah, they, they were. There was an investment street, uh, rush on those two. Yeah. yeah. I mean, let's be honest. Anything that's collectible, there's always going to be oh, sure. speculators that are like, hope. Because I mean, I I joke around. I still have. I bought at a shop the original Pokemon box. I took out all the holograms because we were collecting those. But I still have all the common cards and all that shit in the box itself. And I remember some dude was like, "I'll give you 150 bucks for just the box." I'm like, "Really?" He goes, "I'll give you that." They just want the box. Yeah. Now, he's. I'm sure he's speculating because he's like the box by itself because it came from 19. But not just that. Also, that's the thing because that's something I'm finding too. As I've, I hit a wall as a comic book collector, where most everything that wasn't outrageously priced that I'd be getting just as as something to slab. And I, I, I don't own a single slab, which is why I don't buy this stuff. Everything I really wanted to have in physical media, I already have, and it's mostly like me rebuying in a better format the stuff that I've already got or the stuff that I missed the first time. Um, but I'm not really actively buying back issues, right? Mm. I do buy back issues, but it's, for me, I'm always looking for the thing that I didn't even know I was looking for that's so obscure, yeah, well, so oddball. Yeah, yeah, where it's like, holy, uh, I didn't even know this existed, you know? Because yeah. I know, I've seen so much shit now that I know what you can hardly ever find because I've, I, if I haven't seen it, you can hardly find that shit, right? It's just not around that much. And so if you're a cl- collector and it's like you've seen the same figures over and over again, you know what they run and where you can get them and stuff, and then you see the fucking box and you're like, who thought to save the box? Yeah. Or if they save the box, it's because they're keeping the toys in the box, in yeah. the attic, and the box may be getting destroyed by water getting in and stuff like that because it's still protecting what's inside, but nobody's got the fucking box anymore. That's the kind of shit that, that, that that's the, that's the what T-bones you as a collector. It's the shit you don't even see coming. Now, sometimes that stuff is so obscure that nobody's even looking for it and it just doesn't have much this, of a value. This is crazy. Yeah. I saw someone selling the a Nintendo Entertainment System, the original Nintendo box for 50 bucks. Just styrofoam. No system, no nothing in it. Just mm-hmm. the goddamn box, right? right? I saw it. Oh, what a fucking joke. Da, da, da. We went back up. Sold. The guy said mm-hmm. it had been up there less than a week. Well, and sold. And he's like, and he's like, I think I probably, I probably undersold. <laughs> he was telling me. Right. I'm like, I told him because he had, he had some really cool shit that I'd never seen. Like apparently, Barbie does every year Dia de la Muerte, Dia de la Muerte Barbie. Never <laughs> seen that shit. Huh. Looked fuck cool. Like a Barbie doll with Day of the Dead makeup. Oh yeah, the, that sounds. Boss. So I was like, that's kind of neat. I bring it up. I think it looks cool. He leaves it on the counter. Within minutes, someone bought it because mm-hmm. he had it like on the shelf, but sideways. Mm-hmm. I only noticed because I saw the sugar skull, and I'm like, "What is that?" Because I saw a bunch of. I just wanted to see what it was, and so the guy was like, "Oh yeah, I need to pick up more of those next time too." Because I asked him, "Hey, do you still have that Barbie here?" Because I want to. I want to take a picture, and he's like, "Oh no." He goes, "He said it literally sold like when I walked away from the counter. Somebody walked up and saw it and bought it right away." And I was like, "Wow." And I mean, this guy had a lot of cool old stuff, but it's just weird, like what you're talking about, like a Nintendo box for fifty bucks. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just fucking. Well, cool. uh, the other day I was in that comic shop and I bought you the fucking 1989 oh, yeah. Batman cereal box with the bank. You Twenty bucks, you ass. I feel guilty like that. No, no, no. Well, bucks, dude, dude, I've never. Was the cereal in it? No, no. 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 But it has but... it has the original piggy bank that came with it. Really? And he had two. So really? yeah, he had How? two. Who saved that? I know who did that. There, there aren't enough of those guys that I'm aware of. Maybe if you get on eBay, I didn't look. Maybe there's a whole bunch of them on eBay and some shit. And I just don't know about it. But for me to be in a I don't store, think so. yeah, I don't think and, so and I'm survive. looking, I was looking at it. And it's right there. Twenty bucks. Fuck it. What's twenty bucks, man? Just the novel. Just to be able to give it to you. If you threw it in the oh, garbage yeah. afterwards, oh, no, 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 I just I wanted to give it to you. I, I just thought it looked yeah. cool. Just because I haven't seen one since fucking 89. 89. Yeah. yeah. Like, I I literally bought that cereal. I remember buying that cereal and eating it, and it tasted like shit. But, yeah. Same. But I didn't, I never kept the piggy bank. So I was, I kind of was digging more on the piggy bank. I kind of Well, and it lo- it's clearly cheating, I, too. I, like, I want to take the box apart and put it flat. Yeah. So it's it. easier. It's yeah. easier. Dude, it's yours. Do what yeah. you want to with it. So obviously, McFarlane changed the game for action figures. And so, if nothing else, he has a, a legacy in popular culture for the figures themselves. 
themselves. Even if you weren't into Spawn. And over paying overpriced for right. uh, baseballs. Just, okay, so I, I'm sorry. I had it at eBay. Um, I have a Batman cereal with Michael Keaton coin bank factory sealed. It's $40. Oh, wow. Uh, and then there's a Batman cereal with bank, Spider-Man with bank, and that's $50. I think this has got the cereal in it. Bro, that's a... That's, okay. That looks like that's still cellophane. Two... Like, because the bank... I had that bank. No, I had that bank. I never had... I remember... I couldn't picture I, it when you said it, but now that you said... But, like, that, that's still wrapped with the cereal box. That's yeah. pretty impressive. Nobody's buying this shit. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. That's what it's listed at. I don't know if nobody's buying it. Next on HBO... Heaven and hell collide on Earth, and human souls are forced to pay the price in this evil animated universe. Todd McFarlane's Spawn. Next on HBO. Then the movie comes around, and the cartoon as well. Do you guys know which was which? Which the came first? The movie. The movie came before wait, the cartoon? Wait, 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 wait. I remember watching They're the like TV the same show. year, I thought, right? I remember watching the TV show on HBO. Sure. And see, I didn't have, I didn't have cable. I, I didn't have cable, remember. so I couldn't say. Actually, I went to Pussycat's house to watch because we didn't have HBO. <laughs> okay. either, so I would have to go to her house and watch it. And it was one of those things where you had to catch because they didn't do, like, they didn't repeat. It was like it. midnight on Fridays yeah. or some shit, right? Some weird yeah. thing like that. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I want to say. This summer, heaven and hell collide. An all-new season of Spawn. Sunday at midnight. I mean, this says they're both 97, so I don't know. Did I give a date, exact date? First though? episode aired May 16th, 1997. Okay. Oh, that's pretty damn close then, I think. Because I think the movie was August. August 1st, 1997. Yeah. So the cartoon gave a, a little bit of hype for the movie, I assume. I'm sure. And you know, now, now that you're saying it, that sounds familiar. HBO Home Video presents the video event the world has been waiting for. Over 90 million comic books and over 12 million action figures have been sold worldwide. Now, the number one best-selling comic book creation comes to life. Mac, did you ever get to watch the cartoon? Uh, I watched the car. I, I saw like I know I've seen clips. I think I've seen a few episodes, but it was like shit people recorded on a VHS, probably at your house, right? Because like I, I we 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 were too broke for HBO. And you were watching it on the weekly over I, at I, over I, at Pussy I, I House. I, I got, yeah, I think I got through maybe two seasons. I don't think I ever saw the last season. You never saw the last one at all, even, no. even like in I the time. I it now and I'm yeah. gonna watch it, but yeah. No. You, but have you watched it? Uh, no, I've been rewatching. I watched. Oh, you still haven't gotten to that one. Okay, so you were already reading the comic book. 
books. How did you feel about the show and how it related to the comic books? I thought the show was better. Yeah? Right off the bat. It's hard to beat Keith David as the voice of your Fuck character. Yeah. You know, I, I honestly, I'm of the opinion, I think Keith David is too good for Spawn, especially after devoting so much of our time to reading the Spawn comic books. I, I just don't think Al Simmons is cool enough to sound like Keith David. But Spawn is. Maybe. Spawn's cool enough to sound like Keith David. Okay. Al maybe, Simmons, not so much. It's almost like they should have had Al Simmons have a different voice so that you Jamie could so that Well, I mean, we're going to get to see that. Maybe one of these days we'll get to hear that voice. Um, but yeah, maybe a little bit more of a Jimmy Fox. I would say if you were going to do the movie and have it comic accurate in that time period, you probably want Mario Van Peebles to be Al Simmons. And then uh, Keith David would be Spawn. Yeah. You know, like the voice, right? Who's Chaplin? <sighs> Wesley Snipes, man. Wesley Snipes. Because I, I think Keith David would have been an awesome Chaplin. I, I, don't get me wrong. I, 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 one, one thing I've come to the realization is I'm a bigger, I am a bigger Chapel fan than I am a fan of Spawn. Yeah. Of Al, uh, you know, uh, but, just, he knows what he is. He's evil. Yeah, and and definitely and he's not a bitchy whiny. But guy. I do think that Keith David is sounds a little bit older, a little wiser. Like he sounds like more of a of a of a. I don't know. I, I feel like you need a younger guy for both characters. Uh, so so like so I, that's why I say Wesley Snipes to me is Chapel. No God, no come on. The Rock. Okay. But anyhow, so you like the cartoon better? Oh uh, yeah. And was it just? I mean, obviously you like well, the, the fact that was more the there. cursing, the sexual it, it, situations. It, it, it felt like what Spawn was supposed to be in the. Yeah, comic, if, and, and I do think that ultimately that's what Todd McFarlane wants is R-rated Spawn. Because the TV show was R, the comic was PG-13. I, you could almost make a case for PG. Nah, because dude, they, they showed like breaking limbs and I mean the Kincaid story arc alone, dude, with the little kids with the fingers on the art. That's PG-13. That's, yeah, that's jump scare type shit. Maybe, yeah. That's like Yorona, that bullshit kind okay, of Okay, sure. Okay. Like, was it Bloomhouse or whatever? Yeah, yeah, exactly yeah. right. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's strange that the scenes going to animation actually the the story's going to get even harder and more edgier. I, I would say that my comic book is like a PG-13, if you want to give it a rating, and, and, and the uh, animation is probably closer to an R rating just because, again, you know, we're gonna, there's going to be violence and nudity and cussing and stuff like that. But we're dealing with themes, you know, with the mafia, with CIA cover-up, with government cover-up, and it's, it's tough to flower those things over. So instead of trying to do that, we... For all intents and purposes, written a drama, half-hour drama, and, and we put the animation on top of it. You work for me, and your job is very simple. This may look like old-time radio, but in fact, HBO is in production on a new cutting-edge adult animated series called Spawn. This is different than any animated work I've ever done, and I think it's different than anything I've ever seen. He's one of the most fascinating characters I've ever played. I mean, I really... I really like him. I feel for him. Um, he, uh, he's wonderfully interesting. Story-wise, there it isn't. One, one problem we've had with Spawn is it seems to tread a lot of water. I do feel like that's something they did in the show as well. Like th this isn't a show that m covers a lot of ground, even over the course of the full three years. But especially that first season, like you think they're building to a confrontation with Chapel, and that doesn't even happen until yeah. the second season. So it, was it the mood and the music, and everything else that kind of helped to tide you over week to week? Because I can't imagine watching it on a weekly basis because well, it go it just it's such well, a glacially like paced show. TV, True. So that was the draw. But you'd already had exposure to like anime and stuff. So you know the Japanese yeah, were already doing but, that kind of shit. But something so close to home. Like mm -hmm. anime was very, you know, Japanese. Uh, heavy metal was its own thing. Where this was closer to home. This is like something in the shop right now that I can mm -hmm. see. So Well, and the animation was exceptional even by Japanese standards. Oh, yeah. They didn't they, none of their stuff looked like Spawn looked. Not but so I, moody. Well, watch after rewatching it, so dark, dude. Like yeah. there's a like there's a lot of like negative backgrounds of where there's just like you see a little bit of brick. 
or something. Yeah. But I guess, you know, cost, it was cost efficient for well, them. And fire and skulls. Yeah, they didn't, they didn't really know. I mean, that was like the first real adult animated show, wasn't it? On a weekly basis on in a, America, I, like I would say it's fair. Yeah, that's I mean, fair. I mean, Eon Flux was pretty violent, but that's too. that's MTV, though. MTV had their little niche liquid television, so they had... Well, I mean, they, but like, they had the literal... Head, the head, the yeah. max, and all that stuff. Well, but what you're saying, like, there were literal pools of blood from the body count that Aeon uh, mounted in the, the liquid the TV. The demon really ripped the dude's head sure. open to jump in and but, out but, of it. But you're making my point, is that yeah. they, they did have that level of violence, but I don't know they necessarily had that... Like, Aeon Flux, when they turned it into a weekly series from the short segments they had on liquid television, I think that the quality of the animation took a hit when they did that. And uh, where and, and of course, they did more sci-fi type stories, and they seemed to pull back on the violence and the sexual stuff, yeah. because I think that maybe it would attract too much attention where they can get away with it on liquid TV, since it was already a late night kind of obscure show um, where Spawn put it out on Main Street and it's on HBO yeah. and obviously it was a selling point because they I mean, put I don't out know if I call HBO mainstream in 1997 but wouldn't you? I would no. think so I, I, no because it wasn't it was a, like it was a premium cable. channel yeah so. it, it was, uh, premium channels were like in the late 90s it still wasn't like everybody Dude, you had cable oh, there's a lot of people though if you had on, cable you had Dream On you had uh, uh, what else was in the 90s Dream On well I think I think what Max is trying to say is just like per capita how much of the population no, was able no, to no, they, they still hadn't it. reached their their peak like the Sopranos and shit like that. Yeah. But they still were. They had shows that you wouldn't catch anywhere else. So oh, HBO yeah. was kind of a like. What, but I think what, what I think what Max is talking about is just raw exposure, like raw number of people who would scri- subscribe to HBO. Eh. Like once you get into the two thousands, cable starts to become a default, and most people start to have premium channels as a default. They pay for the premium channels if they're going to have cable at all. Where back in the nineties, and I can definitely vouch for this, even if we had cable, a lot of times we didn't have pay cable. We the had the HBO, basic. Yeah, you didn't have the and you had MTV, channel. but you wouldn't have had HBO. So right. I, I see where you're coming from on that. Yeah. But obviously, because of that paywall, HBO could get away with a lot more stuff and did. And that was one of the selling points to the point where they were selling, like, again, like you said, so many people didn't have HBO and wanted to have a permanent collection of the Spawn cartoon that you could buy it on VHS in the like PG 13 and R rated versions. Spawn. Certified Platinum by the International Tape Association. Over 11 weeks on video bestseller lists. Now he's back. HBO Home Video presents Todd McFarlane's Spawn 2. This world isn't about trust. It's about dominance. And submission. It's about power. Who are you? Your worst nightmare. Now let's just see how high that IQ of yours is. Stay out of my dreams! Let's get something clear right now. I own you. You took everything from me. You can't be alive. I'm not. Simmons. And, you had, and, they, and they had varied one. packaging and shit, you know? I, like have, the I, have, I have one of the 
Like it has like six episodes, I think, or something. So like that. Yeah, yeah, like to me, to me, Spawn. So you said Sopr- Sopranos is when HBO took off, blew up. Yeah, it, it was the Sopranos well, entourage. Well, it's like HBO uh, people got HBO to watch movies pre and that. With, yeah, I, I to me, Spawn was just before that, where they yeah. had what was it, Taxi Cab Diaries and Real Sex, sure, and those kind of shows. Dream on. Well, I'm, I'm trying to think. There was another show that was real popular. Uh, what was the one with like the sports agent dude? Arliss. Arliss. Yeah. To me, that was all. Nobody was right. buying HBO for Arliss. Right. True. But you'd always hear, oh, it's so good. Or, or uh, uh, But once you get to Sopranos and Oz, or... then people starting to scrub, subscribe oh, HBO I specifically for of, that. I remember yeah. a lot of people buying, getting HBO because of Oz. Yeah. I never heard about Oz. And someone was like, oh, you got to see it again. And then I watched Sex and the like, City was another one. Oh, that's true. Yeah. When was, when was, uh, we don't need to it's go contemporaneous. On Sex and the City. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's another podcast. Yeah. So, um, but wait, what were we talking about? Something? What were we talking about? The lenticular covers and everything else. Like people, oh, you had a point, didn't you? No, nope. I think that was the point we were making. Okay. Do I ever? So anyway, I do think like obviously anime was building an audience going back to the '60s, and it, it definitely had a, a major wave in the '90s. But I do think there were a lot of people who had never experienced that kind of adult animation before they saw the Spawn cartoon. You think that's fair? No, oh, yeah, sure, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, because I just this past weekend had my boy at the house, and I was trying to get him to watch Akira, and I was trying to explain to him that Akira is all hand drawn, and it's it's one of those sh- movies that you have to watch several times. The first time you're not gonna get it. I didn't get it. I just I was too in awe of all. The well, animation. and they're also compressing like a 40 volume, yes. you know, uh, there, there really was, more like 80 in American terms. The point I'm making is you're right in terms of like animation stuff because Akira to this day I think is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. I watched well, but, it, and you have to admit too, you were an early adopter when it came to that stuff. You were there for Akira. Yeah. You were there for Heavy Metal and Ralph Bakshi. You were way advanced of the American oh, yeah. public on shit I, like I that. Remember, I remember going, like, watching Dragon Ball Z in Spanish on the Spanish channel, and we used to go to U of H, and there was a guy that sold VH tips, tapes, and they would they would dub it, or they would put the subtitles that was more in line with the original story, and you would find out, like, oh, shit, like, this, 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 there's a whole different context here that was totally well, different than... It, like, as a kid, I grew up on Battle of the Planets, and Gatchin man is a whole different yeah. thing than what I got to see yeah. you know with the hermaphrodites and the sexual situations and violence like they cut all that stuff out and put R2-D2 in the midst of that shit instead yeah. you know I've just finished a pretty lengthy run on Spider-Man and then a bunch of us had quit and started our own company Image Comics and so at that point we all had to create a book that was going to hopefully sell for us I met Todd McFarlane maybe three and a half years ago, back when uh, Spawn was first being introduced. And he was very interested in making a film based on his character. As soon as I read the first few books, I saw the potential of the character. People and things of hell, I dubbed thee. Spawn, General of Hell's Army. My character, Al Simmons, uh, government's most decorated assassin, He's betrayed by his superiors and is burned to a crisp and sent to hell. See you in hell, Al. Jason Wynn, he's the head of the CIA and he's in league with the devil, man. Why do you want him? Why ask why? But now is what's so much more fun. <laughs> There's a lot of Clown is a man of a million disguises. When I get my rage up, I turn into a violator that destroys and rips and maims. Peekaboo. I see you. 
he can transform into this large, 12-foot-tall creature that's kind of a reptilian insect that likes to rip the heart out of people. That's a cut! Besides all the amazing visual elements that are going to be, we're going to have amazing creatures and, you know, amazing fights and chases. And... All cameras, away, run, and action! I think that they will really enjoy this movie. I think it lives up to the comic book. And then some. Spawn has a, just this huge loyal following. There's something to be said about about Spawn's appeal. You sent me to hell, Jason. I'm here to return the favor. When they're done watching this, I want them to go, Batman's a sissy. Spawn goes for the juggler, goes for, for the aggressive thing that kids want. So then we get to the Spawn movie. And, you know, we kind of have this steady build. You've got the toys, and those have huge penetration. Then you have the cartoon. That gets a lot of people interested in Spawn that never read a comic book in their life. And then you start building the hype on the movie as well. And one of the things I remember a lot of is executives were watching the movie, and they were so impressed by it that they pumped like an extra $10 million into it to beef up the effects even more because they thought they had a big hit on their hands. Now, I get the feeling that you, especially, Mr. Fixit, you were probably there opening day, right? Yes. How was that? Uh, the theater was, I would say, not sold out but it was packed mm -hmm. um and was this a thursday night or was it still was it strictly fridays back then i don't remember fridays. if they did the preview showing your girlfriend yeah it was like a yeah. date night yeah okay well we went to the date so night. well your girlfriend would have been pussycat at that yes. time yeah we went to the theater i remember i mean there was a line we got in uh the theater was half i would say almost packed i would say not ex not like um, you know in game full where the fucking people are like sitting in the aisles but you know sporadic seating it's packed uh the intro comes in the movie kicks in uh, by the way had the games started coming out by then they had right out of the shadows of a fearful city rises spawn infinite powers are yours enemies are everywhere it's over 40 stages straight from the hit comic todd mcfarland spawn the video game i think for the n64 is there a heaven is there a hell there is one who knows the answers all too well Did you play it? I I, I actually I think I owned it. I own the the three. I still have the cartridges. I don't have the boxes. I have the original Torok, the original Doom, uh, fucking Pokemon Stadium, and I used to have Spawn. I remember I bought Spawn and I played it for a little bit. And I was just like, yeah, like no. Oh, and and I also had um Shadow Man. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. I, I, Grumpy's used to rent VCRs, and I think they had some game consoles as well. And every now and again, especially before when I was, you know, getting when I was no longer with parents, but hadn't yet bought like equipment for my shit myself, I could go to Grumpy's and rent a VCR and watch a movie if I wanted to. So, for instance, God and damn, I want to say you rented, yeah, a VCR. Yeah, I believe I believe I remember that. And I think you could rent the console as well. And I think I might have rented like an N sixty four over a weekend or something and played some of those games. But I know I rented some of the Spawn games. So I never owned any of them, but I definitely I played some on of those on like Super Nintendo Not, or PlayStation. I, think, I want to say it was on PlayStation. Yeah, what was the one where he was real? 
chunky and rip the guy's arm off and beat them to death with their own arm. I know that was a big thing at the time. Was definitely oh, not on a Nintendo. Yeah. Right, definitely not on a Nintendo. That's true. I don't know. I, I don't remember. Because I know that he, he always had a lot of games, but were any of them like actually like really successful and popular and people were like, that's a great game you need to play Ooh, the game? Part? Spawn. Like I, I know they made a lot of games, so that shows that the character uh, had popularity between the cartoon, the toys. But I, I'm trying to remember if there was actually ever a game where people were like, that's the Spawn game. That's the game you need to get. Even if you don't care about Spawn, you got to play this game. No. I don't think you ever had that, right? No. Yeah. Um, but you, you probably had- we would be talking about, man, did you see that fifth Spawn movie? Holy shit. <laughs> Right, um, but there were games then going into the movie, well, so yeah, there was I mean, probably was a gaming audience the as IPs, well. IPs, like you know, people were looking for new IPs and seeing what was going to blow up next. I mean, yeah. it was kind of the speculating notion that oh, you know, if we get on top of Spawn while it's still you know um, when they could still pay for or afford it before it, like I mean, I'm sure they were all hoping for that you know that huge Spawn bubble to explode and you know he's going to be the next Batman. They saw the toys, they saw the movies, the game. Oh shit, what's next? Mm -hmm. Actually, my uh, my sister. She, uh, her first fiance or someone she was dating, dressed as Spawn for one Halloween. Oh shit! I have a picture of him, and he's full, like full Spawn costume. That, that reminds me, uh, one year in the nineties, uh, I'd I'd gotten friendly with a dude in the apartment complex we were staying at. He was a comic book fan too. I think we met through school and shit. And then he introduced me to his older brother, at, who was uh, even bigger into comics, and 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 we ended up hitting it off. And so I spent more time with the older brother than I ended up spending with my contemporary. And he decided that he wanted to go. As superhero who's a big spawn fan specifically he loves spawn that was his favorite they both like spawn but he especially likes spawn and so he wanted to go as a superhero but he's a black guy so he wants to go as a black hero so he decides he's going to be the black bat and he goes to that uh costume slash novelty shop over off of uh richie in southmore like oh, the intersection yeah, yeah, yeah. and he gets a keaton batman mask and he cuts the ears off and he's the black bat and i got a lucha mask that i already had one because <laughs> i'm a nerd and uh so i i, I built a costume around my mask and he built a costume out of being the black bat and we went to Halloween parties together and uh, uh, he and then eventually he joined the Marines and he got shipped off and we didn't have a relationship after that but you're just reminding me it's like yeah he was a big spawn guy too but the kind of crossover like making his own shit because they didn't have spawn costumes and they might have by the time the movie came out but I don't remember ever seeing commercial spawn costumes I don't know how I don't know how he got it I just remember he because I believe my sister was dressed as a cow <laughs> and he was dressed as spawn that's a, but that's it, a was, it was like a legitimate like the mask was a you know rubber mask mm -hmm. he had the cape and it i think it was just a like a chest part so it's all sculpted yeah okay. and so i remember thinking like oh that's cool because i i'm sure i can find it there's a picture of us yeah because uh, i think and i'm I assuming was, this dude never picked up a comic book in his life he's probably based off like movies huge stuff, wrestling right? fan but i i don't know if he ever read spawn i mean that's that's the weird thing about spawn is i don't think everyone who was into spawn read the comics oh sure oh definitely not i mean there's I'm that's sure part there's, of what we're talking about all these vectors i mean i think it's pretty obvious even people who bought the comics didn't read the comics <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, true. Like, I, I had one guy in particular, he bought three copies of Spawn every month. Oh, yeah. And I don't know if he read any comic books at all, or he read a very few of his comic books, but every month he was buying three copies of Spawn. All of them carried past 50. I don't think very many people dropped it with 50. I think it was 100 was like the one where all of a sudden everybody decided that they completed their run. I, I, and the tail, yeah. sales went through a sh the shitter around 100, but definitely through the, to the movie. So you have all these people from all these different fandoms, like all these people that had access to Spawn through different means besides the comic books are going into this movie. And this is sort of a hyped movie in the summer as I recall yeah you know that's part of what we're talking about it's the 30th anniversary of Spawn as a character 25th anniversary of the movie Kill ass. killer soundtrack the most electric rock album of the decade has gotta be Spawn with Silverchair and Vitro The Prodigy and Tom Morello 
And filter with the crystal method. Fourteen tracks inspired by the awesome comic series. Spawn, it's heaps sick. Yeah, talk about that a little bit because uh, I, I mentioned I was going to try and listen I to it. And I never got the around soundtrack. to it. Yeah, I mean, you got Metallica. I think Corns on there, mm-hmm. um, which makes sense because McFarlane eventually uh, directed one of the oh, videos. Yeah. Was it the Follow the Leader? Was that the song? So, yeah. Okay, that um, was the album because I remember the Greg Capullo art on the album. Cover. Oh, you and I were singing the fucking Manson song. Yeah. Now, hey, look, I was never like Marilyn Manson was a dude that kind of freaked me out. And I remember when I was first starting to work at the shop where we all met. Well, two of the three of us all met. There's a, a one of the people who worked there was kind of like single white female, kind of a trippy chick that had a weird like relationships with everybody, but particularly my partner. And she was telling me about Manson singing songs about like cutting women's ba- bellies open and fucking them in the holes and all this kind of shit. Now I've listened to some Manson. I never have heard that particular song, so I yeah. think that's maybe her that's a remix. I think yeah, that was her imagination going wild on her shit or some shit that she heard. Oh, I remember now you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, you know what I'm talking <laughs> yeah. about. Um, as soon as you said, okay, go ahead. Single white female, right? So I had I, I never embraced Manson the way, and plus I just didn't like Manson stuff as much as I liked like Nine Inch Nails and they were the associated act. And I was really into Trent Reznor and, and Nine Inch Nails where Manson, I liked some stuff. I liked a lot of the covers. I didn't buy his albums ever. But man, he did some killer album, like oh, soundtrack great. cuts and stuff. Yeah. Like his oh, Tainted dude, Love cover for uh, Not Another Teen, teen Movie, Matrix, Rock is Dead, awesome yeah. fucking song. But <clears throat> one of my favorite Manson songs, a song I liked so much it almost ended up becoming part of Spawnometer. I kind of wanted it to be uh, the intro to the letters section or, or Spawning Ground, but I decided I'd, I'd better not have such a, like an actual hit. So This was a hit song. This was a popular song. Long Haul Hard Road Out of Hell. I wanted that opening, that that cool fucking sound. I, want, I, I And I decided against it. Now I'm glad because dude's almost certainly a rapist and sexual assaulter and shit. Still a fucking badass song though. <laughs> and he's got a, you know, some great stuff in his, his catalog. I, I'm not proud of listening to this stuff. I don't buy any of the stuff. There's all shit. There's all shit I already had. I haven't bought anything new since, especially. But I, you know, props. It's a pretty killer track. Plus, he was very much into the whole gender bending shit. And you gotta respect that uh, he was willing to go places with that that nobody else was going to in its time. He was very much like a, a, a David Bowie, where uh, he was trailblazing in, in gender fluidity specifically. Mac, you seem like you want to jump in on this. Though. Oh no, I was gonna make a joke about it. Okay, continue. Okay. Well, were you gonna talk about the soundtrack? Oh no, I was just checking out who was on it. Yeah. I mean, there's. Uh... Uh, so are, were the I don't remember listening to this fucking soundtrack. So why does it say like Long Hard Road Out of Hell is by Marilyn Manson and the Sneaker Pimps? Because the, are they all collab? No, 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 not just that. The girl, the the, the female vocals in that song. That's right. the chick from Sneaker Pimps, oh, wow. who I thought was fucking hot back then. I still, you it's know, like Metallica still, did, with the fucking pronounced remix, right? so, well, Yeah, it, it, it's Metallica and DJ Spooky. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to figure out like what the fuck well, is this and, shit all about. And this is one of the interesting things because we've talked about Blade in the past, and Spawn came out before Blade. Mm-hmm. Several years before Blade, but it was kind of doing the same kind of shit with the soundtrack. Well, and I think no, no, the soundtrack no, no. sold pretty you, well. You're about to be wrong about this. Sure, you know. go ahead. Well, they're all fucking knocking off the crow. There's the, a point. The, to the that crow too, yeah. was the nexus sure. point for these soundtracks. The Resident Evil, Blade, Matrix. What, what they all owe right, to right, right. Crow. But see, Crow was still doing goth industrial. 
and it wasn't a hybrid. It was a little bit of both, depending on which act it was. It was Pantera. Sure, sure. Metal metal was mixed, but I'm saying that the acts weren't mingling their genres. Spawn actually had like acts that were not compatible mixing together to create like a different sound. Blade perfected it by mixing the rap with the dance music, which was a very distinctive sound for the movie and in general. And uh, definitely tapped into a zeitgeist because you also have the new metal going at the same time as mixing metal with with rap. Spawn, I think, was trying to do that a little bit, but it didn't quite get to the same place that Blade and ultimately ended up getting it. But it does feel a little bit like... No, but Blade Blade nailed it. Yeah, I'm not disputing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas this movie was just like, like the opening credits to this movie where it's like that industrial techno Mm. and you're like, yeah, yeah, this is the this is the late 90s. Yeah. Like, okay, I know where we're at here. And this... I, honestly, I don't think that was a good fit for the movie, like the character in the movie. I don't I don't think what, that that's what was sound. really a good fit for this movie. What? Well, Soundtrack? before we get into that, welcome to New Line Home Video's special edition of Spawn. On this track, you'll hear commentary by director Mark Dupay, producer Clint Goldman, visual effects supervisor Steve Spaz Williams, and the creator of Spawn, Todd McFarlane. This is Mark Tepe. I'm the director of Spawn, and you can blame it all on me. My name is Clint Goldman. I produced Spawn. My name is Steve Spaz Williams. I was visual effects supervisor for Spawn. My name is Todd McFarlane. I created Spawn. Creator of Spawn, Todd McFarlane. When I first approached Hollywood about making the Spawn movie, they said, Todd, what would you like to do if you were completely in control of it? And my answer was, I'd take the 35 million bucks and I'd make it animated. And I'd make it like an R animated movie. And I'd do something that would that would either completely flop in this country or would basically make us trendsetters. Producer? Clint Goldman. I got involved with New Line Cinema with Sp- and working with Spaz uh, and working with Michael DeLuca at New Line. And Mike is a very smart, uh, sort of brash uh, executive. And he's got a, a sort of a taste for younger younger material, you know, The Mask, Dumb and Dumber, Seven. And things really went well with The Mask. I mean, that was a, a movie that was made all in for, you know, $16 million, something like that, and went on to gross $330 million worldwide. And Spaz and I, working with Chuck Russell, you know, and, and really did, a, I think, an, an excellent job on the visual effects overall. It was, you know, sort of a... And, uh, at about the same time all this is occurring, uh, Mark and I were introduced to Todd McFarlane and we're sort of helping him develop designs for the movie Spawn. He shopped the project to studios and, and in particular Sony, he tried to make a deal at Sony, but Todd wanted to control control his baby more than Sony was going to let him control his baby. He especially wanted to control the merchandise, all of it. He wanted to be in total control of the merchandising rights for Spawn. And he had a sense with guys like us who were sort of guys in the trenches and he has a huge respect for guys who work in the trenches. And we, we are all people who have worked in the trenches and continue, I think, to work in the trenches of filmmaking. We are people who actually make film. That's what we do. And I said, you know, Todd, I'm making this movie, The Mask, at New Line, and I'm working with this guy, Mike DeLuca, who loves comic books. What if I, uh, what if I, what if, what if we show it to him? And, and what if Mark and I were the uh, producer and director? And he says, do it. I mean, in a second, he said, go. People look at Spawn sometimes and go, well, it's kind of dark and he's very edgy and, you know, why is it kind of bleak? And and my answer is, I, I, I believe that Spawn and the themes that I presented, especially in the comic book, given that I've been doing it for five years, so, you know, that is further along in advance than what we're going to see here in the movie uh, is that he's he's a flawed hero and so sometimes he acts on impulse sometimes he has bad days sometimes he he's angry when he does something and I think that each one of us in the audience could say that we've done the same thing and so the guys that are more perplexing to me are Superman who never makes a wrong decision no matter what the circumstance is he always does the right thing at the right time with the right people and he never says a cuss word and he just he's, he's a boy scout that's 35 years old and it's, to me, he's the unreal character that has really no humanity left in him. 
because he's plastic. He's a plastic guy. So, so the story that we're trying to present here, and hopefully you'll get in this movie, is the fact that it's not that my guy is virtue is a virtuous man and that he's pure, because there has to be a reason why hell picked him. But I just wanted to to place kind of again, you 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 rewrite theology on some level when you're dealing with heaven and hell, and and because again, you don't want to, you know, I'm not a believer in religion to to that great of an extent. So guys like me can actually go in there and twist, you know, what most people perceive to be the truth in the Bible, because again, it's not blasphemy to me. It's just kind of taking a cool idea and 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 you know, kind of mixing and matching the places and and the ideas and and causing a lot of gray matter, not making it black and white. But the reason I put him in the alley was was twofold. That we as supposedly normal people look at people who are in the alleys as the losers of the world, the outcasts, the, you know, those that we wouldn't give two seconds of our time to. And and given that I like to show that we're, everybody is capable of extreme good and bad, in this situation, I believe if there was a real man that looked like Spawn, that we has the average view in public, if he was walking down our street, we would take our children and we'd, we'd bring them in the house and we'd say, stay away from that man. And I wanted to show that the, the bums, that these people that are basically losers, are the only ones that have enough humanity and compassion enough to take a guy from the outside and say, we don't care that you're burnt. We don't care that you have problems because each one of us has problems too. You're just like one of us. Welcome. You can come here too. And we also state, Cagliasso, that it is a holy ground. So on some level, was he placed back there? I, I've stated in the comic books a little bit that he was drafted by hell, but he's placed by heaven. And there's a reason why he's in those alleys because those alleys have a deeper meaning than just bums and whatever else. Because what if on some level, some of those bums that are watching over spawn are actually angels in disguise, then it throws our, our whole perspective of our stereotype of what angels are about, that it's like, you know, those people we won't give our time to are actually the ones that are watching out for us. And so just trying to throw some of these bigger ideas, you know, at, at again, uh, heaven and hell, which we all have, again, some kind of, you know, definition of, and I'm just trying to see if I can't distort those a little bit. For me, I just wanted to bring Spawn to life on the screen. I wanted to make a Spawn comic book film. So that was the whole, that was the whole attitude I wanted, visually, story-wise, stylistically, to stay true to Spawn. You watched the movie opening night, you're yeah. telling us about that, you got all these different audiences from all these different ways of getting into Spawn. How did you react, and how did the audience react? Standing ovation. When the movie started, we were good. When John Leguizano came out as a clown, I remember being a little put off by mm -hmm. it like and you'd seen him in commercials so it's not like but, he was a shock it, we all knew that was going to suck before it happened right but yeah but in the commercials different than the actual movie and the way he acted and he talked and like all the fart jokes i was like okay i mean i guess the clown would be that way i that is i think that's very true to mcfarlane into the clown in the comic books you think so I, I don't i don't like it i hate i don't like the clown character in the comics either yeah uh but it is true to the comics i think and then you like once Mount Bolger came up and he had that stiffness like moving <laughs> I just kind of like even for CG at the time I was like yeah this is like PlayStation 1 shit like I was really kind of turned off. And then they show him like traveling through hell. And mm -hmm. I was like, oh, this is really bad. And then they showed all the spawns doing the same motion. Yeah, the cloning. And, yeah. And I was just like, oh, this is really bad. And I remember people laughing a little bit in theater. Like they didn't take it like, wow. It was just kind of like, this is kind of goofy. Oh, is this for real? Did you really put this yeah, on the screen? Like, yeah. It, it really felt that I, I feel. I feel like this was probably like people who went to see House of the Dead, the Ubo movie. And all of a sudden they're, they're putting in clips from the game in the 
the midst of the motion picture and people are just like, what the fuck were you doing? What the fuck are you thinking? And just like completely breaking I, I got one on any you. suspension of this week. Because <laughs> I'm a huge rock fan. We saw Doom in the theaters mm-hmm. and there's a scene in the movie where it goes into first person mm-hmm. and I remember people laughing out loud on right. how goofy. And somebody literally said, are you fucking kidding? Because it looks so good. Because I mean, up to that point, it was just kind of an action movie and then they did the first I did person. like the bit where the, the rock ends up being the villain and you're oh, not no, expecting that cool. going in. But yeah. they sh- when, he, when they show Spoiler. him like, blew the chainsaw it. and yeah. like, I remember somebody like, what the fuck? Like behind his saying, what the fuck? And I remember thinking like, that's kind of weird. I mean, it was cool in the sense that at least they tried it. Mm-hmm. But it was kind of like weird. The spawn, I think if they had stayed away from the CG, mm-hmm. because I liked even what's the, the actor that played uh, Cog. Cog oh, yeah. The, the, the Merlin, Merlin from Excalibur. So Nicole I Williamson. Yeah. I, I liked that I knew who he was. I thought the kid was a little yeah, fucking from, 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 the, from the commentary track, they talk, he was definitely a ball busting. Oh, really? You know, fuck, fuck, he liked to fuck with people. And he, he would also be like, okay, well, we're going to do this. We're going to do this one take. If you don't don't get it too fucking bad. This is all I'm giving you. Oh, wow. So he he was not fucking around with that shit. And and uh, yeah, well no no. But, I mean partly for the check, but also it's just like I think that he, like this is the first time, only time I should point out director Mark a, Mark A. Dippe I think his name is. Uh, he was a guy who came from special effects. Like he he looked around him and he's like, no no, this is uh, uh, there. Uh, minimum effort on this fucking bullshit. I think I, I think I read something like and, and they like to, like try to kick back and like bullshit and be pals and stuff. And he's like, I'm not being your pal. We're we're, we're working here. I I think I want to say I was reading something. I heard some where Martin Sheen only took the parts because he told his kids, "Oh, it's a Spawn movie." And they're like, "Do it, Dad," because they were into the comic. Right. I'm assuming it's Emilio and and fucking. Uh, I think he, I, I think he must have been down to grandkids by then. Now Martin Sheen's an actor who I love. Two of my favorite movies. He was a star of Badlands and Apocalypse Now. So when we met with him. I was very excited. He brought a lot to the part. But of course, he didn't know Spawn. This is not his kind of movie. And I think uh, the story that Martin likes to tell is that he went home that evening and was having dinner with his grandson, and he who asked him, "What are you doing these?" days, Grandpa. I said, I read for a movie called Spawn. His grandson said, Spawn is the coolest fucking thing around. You gotta do that movie. And literally the next day he calls Spawn. It's the coolest fucking thing around. I gotta do that movie. I got a lot of help from my actors. In particular, I got a lot of help from Martin Sheen. Him being kind of the granddaddy, this sort of legitimizing actor on the set, really helped me out in circumstances when I had some difficulty with the performer. Uh, and was also always willing to be there to make things work better. Uh, you know, reading lines off camera. He did a lot of his own stunts. I was just really impressed by the guy. And a lot of that came from his wanting to help, to to make things work when there were problems. And I really, uh, really appreciated that. He's really a wonderful, not not only an actor and professional, but just as a person, a really amazing guy. I think he pulled off Jason Wynn pretty well. Yeah, he wouldn't have been the guy. I hate their chapel. Yeah, I, I, I would not. Well, okay, I would not have. Martin G would not have been my go-to for Wynn, right? Really? And I got to say, you know, from the cartoon, the guy who does the voice for Wynn on oh, the yeah. cartoon yeah. is magnificent. Yeah. One of the best voice you, actors you, ever he, incredible he definitely nails conveys, it he conveys that fucking like sleazy oh government. he's so he's so good he's yeah. so fucking good and we have the the a6 that we've established which is uh, jason win and again uh the 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 name win was was kind of a play it's w uh, w y n n and it was just because this guy is all about power and he wants to always win and so it was it was just you know again a, a play on it but uh i presented this guy there that to me is kind of a bit of a stereotype of some of the people that, I, that I've met, which is that all they want is kind of fame and fortune and power and to control things. We have a tendency to do stories about people like Jason Wynn that is the head of the CIA and look at him. Isn't he powerful and isn't he prestigious and a dignitary? But you end up, you know, going and opening it up a few
few more pages and find out that he's been remarried three times, that his kids are estranged from him, that he's a bit of an alcoholic, maybe he's even, you know, cuffed one of the wives one or two times. And that doesn't seem to come in and factor into the whole equation. And so I, I just find it odd that, that, that we as a society here just determine what's, what's good and bad by the number of dollars that go in our pocket or how high we climb the corporate ladder. So Martin Sheen, I'm never going to stop seeing Martin Sheen while he's playing Win. But with the with the goatee and with the hair and everything else, yeah. he was solid. Yeah, he was solid. It's just it's there's a weird disconnect because like, what is Martin Sheen doing in this thing? A little. Don't bit. you have better things to do, Martin Sheen, than being well, in this no, no, movie? No. Now, what did you think of their chapel? So here's the thing: that actress. Uh, I'm blanking on her Hold name. On, right I got. Now. It, I got. It, I got. It. Oh, it's loading. It's loading. Hold on. I have this up for uh, Melinda Clark. God, Melinda Clark. Yeah. She. 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 she it, those beautiful blue eyes of hers. She's very distinctive. Very gorgeous. She's in Return of the Living Dead Part Three. She shows a lot in that movie which is helpful internet save us <laughs> right. incognito tab um, save us and she looks so good in the earlier scenes when she's in the leather with the longish hair and stuff and then when she comes back with the mom hair it just like kind of ruins it for me the, the the villain the femme fatale priest now it's interesting priest was a composite character that we created for the movie and again why it's because it was all macho guys the whole world was men we wanted to add another angle and in the comic book there's a lot of tough chicks but we couldn't fit them all in the story I wanted to have Angela in there and there's we'll get to that later but we couldn't fit her all in. So we made this female composite character, Priest. We created her for that, which created this sort of difference again from the original comic book, which but which actually was evolved in the comic book series to include Priest. So it all made sense, and this is something we actually did consciously through the development of the movie that Todd was involved with, is how do we take differences for the movie, because the movie is different than the comic book in and of itself, and how do we make sure that those things stay consistent in the comic book as it goes through the series? There's several instances of that. So again, we wanted to have this super uh, villainess, sexy, hot, dangerous, all those kind of classic things. I realized that they didn't want to take Rob Liefeld's Chapel and put him into Todd McFarlane's Spawn movie. It's to the point where I'm still shocked that they used Chapel in the cartoon. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure if maybe the fallout with Liefeld leaving Image happened sometime around that time period. That might have affected things. But also, Spawn, the cartoon, I think one of the things that it was a casualty of was rights issues. Where all the fighting over Angela and, and maybe Chapel and a lot of that cog and all that shit got to fuck everything up. So I think they were trying to avoid that with the movie or they wouldn't make the movie with weird fucked up right shit going on. So I respect that they try to go a different way and have a different kind of character, somewhat similar to Chapel, but definitely clearly not Chapel, but Priest, you know, not that far from Chapel. Really one note, though. Like, really like (laughs) cackling evil one note. And again, that hair. And they did that in the comic book, too, where they gave her the fucking mom hair, and it just like totally kind of kills Boner Killer right there. But you were going to say. Well, no, I was was wondering what your take on this, because when I was watching it and she came out, and I remember thinking, wait, is that supposed to be Chapel? And then she's... Priest? Yeah, and she's acting the chapel con, and she's playing with the fucking spider. Where it's like, yeah. oh, we're going, we're going big yeah. for this one. And I, okay. I remember thinking like, now at the theater, I didn't think of, when I rewatched this was what I'm thinking. Right. I remember in the theater thinking, who the fuck is this? Like, I was like, did I read this? This doesn't seem right. Well, okay, so I need, and let's since we're talking about the theater experience too. Now, Mac, again, you're you're mostly just buying the toys, uh, mostly Southern Chef. You didn't play the games, I don't figure, right? You're not actually. In I, the m- spawn, I might have owned one, but a little bit, nothing yeah. major though. When did you see the Spawn movie? I think I saw it in the theater. You saw it theatrically, really? I think so. Yeah. How did that end up happening? I don't remember. Who did you go with? I don't remember. Okay. Uh, for me, I want to talk about my experience because I forgot about this, uh, to, to lead with this. So I did not see it theatrically. I was particularly poor when the movie first came out and I just was, I didn't see a lot of movies it that year, I don't exceptionally think. exceptionally poor. Right. I don't think I had a ride. I don't think, you know, it was just, it, there wasn't a lot going on for me at that particular point in time. Because the movie came out before I met Fix It for sure.
sure. Yeah. And I'm not even sure if me and Mac knew each other by that point. But we definitely weren't hanging out the degree we would, you know, within a year or so of that. And so what ended up happening is I, you know, I have a weird family situation. Uh, my father was basically a whore and he's got like a bunch of different children with a bunch of different women. Uh, a heart, I don't think he ever had uh, two children with the same woman, you know. Long road, long road from <laughs> Right. Yeah. I want to live. An, impe- an, oh, an impeccable I, fedora collection though. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Even Safari some custom, gyms, some, some kind of bullshit. Gym, yeah. Some custom um, gyms in there. Yeah. And so when I started feel, spending time with my father, I would I would really going over there for everybody else because I didn't really have that great of a relationship with my father for a long time. You know, I was going the over there. Was this like huh? therapy? What? Join the club. Right. Uh, I was going over there to spend time with my half brother, my half brother's half brother, our half sister, and a cousin. It's so weird that I've got all these halves and steps and that somehow I can claim the cousin as a whole. And he's the person I was least concerned with claiming. And uh, there was a lot of tension between me and him specifically uh, for no good reason. It was entirely his his deal. Uh, it, basically, he was a fool and I did not tolerate his foolishness. And he was coming at me aggressively. I think part of it was because he saw my father as his surrogate father and he saw me as a threat. And then with the half-brother's half-brother, I got on with him fine. I thought he was cool because he was the oldest of us and he had like cool-ass comic books and he was pretty knowledgeable. I thought he was badass, dude. Turns out later on, he apparently hated my guts. I have no idea why. And he wasn't even particularly fond of my... Because again, his... Dude, I feel like we're in a Springer episode. Right, right. My, my half-brother's half-brother was... They were, they were connected by the mom. So he had a whole different father, but my father was like a, another like stepfather, surrogate, I guess stepfather, technically. And so you could see where there might be competition there, but by the point that I met him, he hated my father and was constantly critical of him. And there had already been some drama, too. The word kidnapping got thrown around at one point, you know? Um, and given some of the other stuff that happened down the line, maybe not out of not of hand, you know? It, it, it technically might have been some kidnapping. So I could see where there'd be some issues there. So over time, and those people fell away, you know? And so it mostly was just me spending time with my half-brother and my half-sister. And then there was a major falling out between my half-brother and my father, so he was out of the picture. And then really around this time period, I had a falling out with him too, because the one time I'd gone over there to visit with my half-brother, and the, my half-brother wasn't living with my father anymore, so he came to the same family house where all the, 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 the we basically had a, fa- he had a, the grandmother had a family house where everybody kind of met up and it was like the nexus point. And so while I was there, my brother came over and was like, hey, why don't you come with us tonight and then you can come back tomorrow. And I said, sure. And my father got pissed off about it. And then he like took all the stuff, my stuff from his house and left it at that place and is like, okay, well you can go take him home then. You know, I don't want him anymore, basically. And so we didn't talk for a year after that, right? Welcome to the Ancestry.com <laughs> podcast. I'm a legal machine and with me is. So my father, after a year or so gets a touch with me he's like well, well, won't you come up you know come, come over son come over for Thanksgiving or whatever and by this point you know like I said my brother's completely out of the picture and so I'm going over to the family house and I'm spending time with the people they were like oh the other people <laughs> you know mostly my half sister and I would keep coming around for several years forward to spend time with my half sister and my father at that point we finally started to have a relationship but that particular Thanksgiving it was me and the cousin and there was one of the Thanksgiving years prior where it was me and the cousin where we'd all gone to Thanksgiving at a hotel and it was weird because like me and him always had static except when it was just me and him and I think part of it was he's trying to impress the other guys and he had the close relationships with them and so I was the enemy but when it was just me all of a sudden we were cool mm-hmm. out of nowhere and so we're there at Thanksgiving and he's got all of his stoner friends and they're all smoking joints and stuff I probably took a hit or two but I was never Damn very never, yeah I was never I was never very big into that stuff and only very rarely did ever have an impact on me so we're all hanging out we're watching the Spawn movie they brought this, they'd rented it we watched it and I enjoyed it fine I thought it was okay you know I, I, Jesus it, Christ how much weed did you smoke <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'd seen Batman Forever by that point. So I think that you got to understand the standards back then were pretty low. 
I now get it now. I had to smoke marijuana. Well, I, I, really I totally appreciate this movie. Yeah, yeah. I thought they it was were fine. Smoking ditch weed. But I also did. Oh, it was definitely ass stink ass weed. Yeah, stink weed. And we all liked it. Okay, we'd all watched it. We all thought it was cool. You know, hey, that was all right. This was cool. That was cool. We were fine with it. I didn't love it. It was not my favorite movie of any kind. But you know, relative to the state of comic book movies in that time period, I thought it was okay. Sure. And then we rewatch it 25 years later, and wow, that movie's a piece of fucking shit, huh? <laughs> by, by even by the standards of the time, it was pretty rough. But looking back on it a quarter century later, I can see where that would be a boner killer for the Spawn franchise. Because I don't know that Spawn fully recovered from that movie after that shit came out. I don't remember it being this bad either. Right. I don't remember loving the movie. No. I didn't know it was this bad. And I, I, I don't know what. Uh, I don't know if they were pumping gas through the vents or something <laughs> for us to not think that it was this. Like dude, this movie was like un, like shamelessly bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I I remember someone telling me this was. T- TV of the week. Like, th- like th- this is should have been on fucking like regular TV. On like fucking- Scorpion King should have some fucking beef that they don't talk about this movie as much. Like Scorpion, you talk about any like really all time shitty action movies with bad CGI. Yeah. Scorpion King is always on the list. Nobody talks about fucking Spawn. And it's like, I, I mean, I know there's not a-, not a lot of CGI, I guess, but this movie is really bad. It's like somehow it's so forgettable that it gets a it's pass. actually, yeah, it gets a pass because it's so forgettable but this movie is just com- like well and also it's a fairly low but it's a new line cinema yeah. superhero movie they were known for but, a cheap no, slasher but movies but new line also did Freddy Krueger yeah exactly cheap slasher movies but now later on when they did Lord of the Rings obviously the, the scale changed quite a bit but like and then Scorpion King is a big budget movie from Universal so I think there were higher expectations of that I guess but by no comparison like Spawn's effects are horrid like just like compared to almost any movie from the worst CGI ever now there's some okay stuff like when he jumped the, the most famous shot where he's jumping down from the ceiling and the, the cape the ballroom or whatever yeah. for the time it looked alright sure but like you said once you get to the hell stuff and the uh, the cloning uh, and Malbolgia especially I that's remember, that's I not even a cut he's scene falling and yeah. he's like smashing through rocks and it literally you can see where he was just like sitting on a green square and they're just like filming him and I will say like the violator since that was a mix of like a practical effect violator and then like the jaw would grow Grow, mm-hmm. but then like the next scene suddenly the jaw is not growing anymore mm-hmm. like that that was like not the worst thing ever but it's because it like I don't think it was completely CGI I think they yeah. built like a giant violator well in my, if I recall correctly Greg Nicotero and, and his studio were the ones doing the practical effects and the molds I think Spawn looks incredible oh, no, he looked great yeah, he looked pretty that, that, that outfit is awesome and I, I will say because the Michael, makeup work was great yeah they, they talked about how Michael Jai White the only thing he'd really done notable for that is he'd done a biopic on uh, Mike Tyson Tyson that and that's, was where, where, and that's where they got from and obviously yep. you're going to get like db sweeney and uh martin sheen because you was need that some an hbo joint too. no no that was new line there was new line cinema with tyson oh yeah no hbo was tyson yeah, yeah definitely yeah. it's it for them that was huge so, it was a big deal we met with a lot of a very talented actors for the part of spawn the thing about michael that sold me is there's a, spawn is not a jovial guy he doesn't tell a lot of jokes he doesn't stop to like you know to smell the roses he's not that kind of a guy there's a certain intensity and anger and power even in the way he moves and holds his head. And again, reading with a lot of actors that had a great, had had a good sense of Spawn, there was something very 
magical about Michael's presence that just brought, that really, that's what it was for me. I mean, literally, the first time he came to read, and I read more than once a lot of people, it, it struck me immediately. And there's really something about him. When he becomes Spawn in the movie, it's just so, it really works for me. For an unknown beautiful. actor, I thought that he did quite well. And I do think he's a good choice for both characters. I think he's good as Al Simmons. I really think that one of you the problems of the movie You are completely incorrect. Oh, you don't think? He was awful. You thought he's bad? Okay. I mean, this this dude, no. I mean, give uh, Anthony Mackie a goddamn Oscar. This dude, this dude is so cardboard in this movie. The the line delivery is well, just... Well, I don't think he had a whole lot of dialogue that was given to him. I, well, and he's having to act through the suit for most of the movie. I think that's one of the problems. Now, you might say that's a solution to a problem, actually, if you don't think he was any good as an actor at all. I don't think we spent enough time with Al Simmons. We rushed, and it's... With superhero movies, it's usually the opposite. You're like, why are we spending so much time with Peter Parker? Why are we spending so much time with Bruce? Uh, we're need, we want Batman. We want Spider-Man. Where we get right to the spawn really fast, like 15 minutes at most, right? But I don't have enough time to invest now Simmons in his situation before he goes to hell. And as you say, he's not a character with a lot of dimension to begin with. So it, it's a lot of him just kind of shouting at people, you know? Well, hold on, hold on. Because we're, we're glossing over a huge issue, though. Okay. What happened to Terry? Right. Why is he a white guy? Why was he white white? And see, they, they, and there was some talk about... I being king was white white. Spray that to me, goddammit. And, and I'm listening to the commentary track, and they talk a little bit about that. We had always, at some point, decided to make Terry Fitzgerald white because we thought that the relationship between friends and lovers was more interesting and more complex. Had 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 Terry be a, be a white guy than a black guy. There was there was Todd. Todd goes on and on about the, from a marketing point of view that it was important to have another white person as a, because there's, there's a, you know because our, our protagonist is, is African American. And as it turns out, um, we didn't really have we didn't you know we didn't have a lot of money to cast the movie and we didn't have a lot of money period to cast anybody except the stars or the leads. Let's just call them the leads. Um, and DB Sweeney is not Terry Fitzgerald is not the lead in the movie, but DB Sweeney is a pretty well known actor. It was, it was really great to work DB. He was he, being an old pal. But I will remind Clint, we, we actually read with a lot of blacks for the part. It wasn't only white people being cast. Todd McFarlane. The themes that are more interesting to me is not whether you're black or white or whatever, but love, hate, good, evil, friendship, betrayal, war, peace. Every one of those words in every culture and every place in this in, in this planet, I can give the translation of those words and somebody standing in front of me will give me a definition of what that means. So it's not about a cultural thing in America. So if you do something about Harlem, that doesn't translate. You know, if you do something about, you know, the, the, the breadbasket of America, it's something that translate to Israel and vice versa you can't you can't take different cultural differences and and do it but if you say love love has a meaning it's a universal word and so to me what's more important are the, the concepts that he has been betrayed by the people he's worked with he's trying to get back to the woman that he loves he's trying to see what he does with his power so what's the word responsibility mean to everybody and 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 take those concepts and see if there isn't something there that's a more universal theme than the Instead of going, oh, here's this little guy and this is specific completely to him. If I had to pick one person to take care of my wife, that you would pick your best friend or somebody you thought would be compatible to her. And on top of that, that he wasn't able to ever give her a child, although we try to intimate it in here whether Cyan is his child or not. But in the comic book, I state empirical 
family that like that he was basically impotent and they couldn't have children and they didn't know why but when he comes back and he sees that she has a child he now knows that at least it was him he doesn't know why but he knows it was him and it's just another one of those tricks that that hell presents to him that again besides i'm taking your identity away from you i'm also taking your manlyhood away from you and you know as, as a male myself you know we get very sensitive over some of these things because again it's 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 what defines us as being fertile at first they're trying to say well we needed somebody with some kind of a name and db sweeney was somewhat known actor so they just hired, they wanted somebody who could give them a little bit more of a little bit star power because this movie isn't star driven obviously it's an effects driven movie but another guy was like no, no 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 we we interviewed black actors we we you know but we ultimately went with db sweeney okay so denzel turned it down you still had other actors right right it's i do feel like maybe oh we're putting a lot of money in this movie can we make it somewhat less black you know and i'm wondering if maybe spawn hurt blade and that might be one of the reasons why they're talking to blade about can we get a white blade at one point you know but yeah i don't appreciate that and i don't think db sweeney brings anything to the fucking table no. so they really should have just fucking got an actual black actor and leaned into it a little bit instead of trying to run from it but it you was just wait, wait. like like uh, i'm sorry but just to go back to uh michael jai white because mm-hmm. he's so like i'm just reading words to you slowly and then you've got leguizamo who was like chewing up th- the he thought that scenario. uh he thought the penguin he thought that danny devito was the penguin was like wow why didn't he kick it up a notch right he's subdued where, yeah like, oh just was he was even in that movie uh, he is going like into another dimension <laughs> and it's just like the weird it's just the weird. i hate it when he yanked his underwear out that's oh, that disgusting that bothered it just, yeah oh. when he or when he yeah, and he farts and he shit himself yeah. and he pulled and i'm just like what am i watching dude who thought this was going to be a good idea mm. like somebody wants to see this character shit himself on mm. tv like or on, on in a movie like nobody thinks that's funny and like i i just uh, this the movie that the acting the dialogue the jokes yeah. quote unquote and, so, jokes. and you gotta figure like was almost going that big in part because this is the guy who's probably best known at that time for like the super mario brothers movie yeah so this could be like the make pest. a break for his fucking career at this point coming off of that yeah. shit the pest, yeah. yeah the pest like you said like, this, so he but but he, he was tortured during this movie like awful because he had to be short because obviously oh, yeah. the, the, the clown is clearly Danny DeVito there's no question about that that's who he's supposed to be he's clearly physically modeled after DeVito probably specifically off of uh, Batman Returns to some degree since it was, it was around the same time so like Rosamo is in this enormous fat suit and he has to stoop down On to be short knees, enough yeah. he's not a, he's not a tall guy to begin with admittedly but so he's having a stoop he's sweating his fucking like organs out it's like or like raisins by the time he's done with this shit he is just being tortured for this role and as you said he's going for just the and I'm sure some of that shit's ad-libbed I'm sure a lot oh, of shit went in the script yeah. but they're horrid horrid disgusting ad-libs when uh, the clown is talking to kids the original line is ah kids I got more tricks than your local hooker well we had to change that to they say it's a trick but it's not now John is just an amazing actor really a, a totally brilliant uh, performer I think he, he's amazing as clown in the film the clown needed to have this combination of macabre fearsome maniacal terror combined with a totally ridiculously perverse comedy. That's the clown character. Who's going to be able to become a four foot six, 300 pound dwarf? He knew he's going to have to be coming in at 5 a.m. It takes two and a half hours to put the makeup on. He's going to have to wear this tremendous fat suit that's hot and sweaty and grotesque and makes you break out and get all ugly for a while. And he, whenever he performs in the movie, he's actually squatting. And sometimes when you're doing a long take, like a minute long, when as soon as I yelled cut, he would just fall down. His legs would be so tired. And apparently because they were, they had to have a PG-13 
rating. Anything that was actually good and salacious, they cut anyway. Right. So it was just the worst schoolyard crap that got it, it on the <clears> screen. It's not even schoolyard, dude. Like I don't know what I don't know what it was, mm-hmm. but it was it was uh, as soon as he was on the screen. I'm because I I'm like I actually I liked the opening sequence that assassination scene mm-hmm. and where where he's using the fucking he's aiming the rocket and right. that cool like CGI uh, binnacle you're looking through. Like I thought that almost like really good. And then we get to the clown and I'm like ooh. How long is this film? Like I, I can't. And, he, and there's a, and, and there's lot, a lot of clown. Of clown. A lot of clown. <laughs> um, and I thought like, and so we go back to the makeup. The the hamburger face spawn makeup looked good, but it just wasn't. I guess he looked he looked like Freddy Krueger, yeah. right? But he didn't look like a corpse, a burned corpse either. Mm. So I don't know. There was something that like I could tell the quality of the makeup work, but it didn't it didn't work for Spawn for me. And he was like that a lot. I mean, I feel like it looks like the hamburger head spawned fairly well. You think so? Uh, with the bad contacts? I, I wasn't, I was. I just wasn't feeling any of this. I kind of like the contacts, to be honest with you. I thought, they, yeah. I, I thought it was a cool look. Uh, I feel like everybody in the 90s, they threw color contacts and like on the, people. The kid fucking annoyed the shit out of me. And that was very much a Crow thing. Like, they'd already done, because the Crow movie, if I recall correctly, is already out by this point. Obviously, yeah, it had yeah. to be out. And of course, they had the kid in that movie. And it works in that movie. It's, it's actually kind of essential to that movie. And they didn't have a, did they have a kid in the comic book? I don't remember. In Spawn? Yeah, no, in, in The Crow. No, I yeah. don't remember. So that, it goes after the killers. Yeah. Yeah, but but so they got a cute kid for that one, and it, I thought it worked pretty well. And I guess they decided they needed to do that in Spawn too. Doesn't work very well in Spawn. Doesn't fit very well at all. Because the only thing I, I haven't read the crow, crow in Jesus forever. I just remember the line, "How many angels can dance on the head of a pin?" Mm. And that's it. That's I remember reading that and thinking, "Oh, that's kind of cool." Mm-hmm. And I don't remember anything else in the movie. Yeah, or the book. The book. Yeah. Lots of really like dated lines in this movie. Like there was, mm-hmm. I think I think this was a clown line where he was talking about how the entire cast of ER couldn't put you back together, and I'm like. Oh, Oh, fucking ER. Okay. Right. And then later on, he's like, how come God hugs up all, hugs up all the followers and we got all the retards? And I was like, we just you don't hard, use that word anymore. You went hard R. And yeah. I was like, oh. Oh my gosh. I was like, yeah, this movie's just. So do you really think they would have made let Todd make his second movie after this? I don't want to get to that yet. I honestly, I, was, I think that this is reasonably true to the comics. I think it's actually a pretty faithful adaptation. With so Dr. that's Ford what I was going to say. And that's why t- the book is terrible. And that's why you need guys like oh, Rick okay. Puller to draw it to cover for the fact how terrible the writing has always been well you're right 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 because that's the that's the theme in spawn on yeah. I, I don't feature often I mean, but i'm a fan of the show right. and it's it's the wow this dialogue's fucking terrible oh, yeah. mm-hmm. and this movie the dialogue in this movie was fucking god awful mm-hmm. it was so bad well and todd's sense of humor is fart jokes you know he, he likes to gross out dad stuff you know it's it, it, it definitely is a reflection i mean alan McElroy, who also who wrote the screenplay and wrote for the spawn cartoon also wrote a fuck ton of mcfarlane product in the late 90s so todd was obviously on board with the script at least yeah. to, to a degree uh, and I think he's probably part of his problem was they cut it down to a PG-13. He really wanted to go hard R on this shit. But like uh, when they got, uh, they use the word consortium. Mm. Like this is not a common word. They use it fucking 50 times in this movie. It, I, I didn't catch it. Oh, dude. Uh, if you, you're not going to watch I'm, it. But they kept saying consortium over and over again. Well, it's, 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 consor- it's Wynn's consortium. He's building a consortium. He's got a consortium. And I'm just like over and over. It's a strange word to just lace through. the. It's like it was like a joke. Mm. Like the same times we can cram it in the movie. Uh, here we have a uh, priest and all of our latex and leather glory. I was very uh, influenced by certain animation styles, particularly uh, manga and anime, things like Akira, Ghost in the Shell, or, uh, or uh, an American version by uh, a Korean animator, but Aeon Flux that people have probably heard know very well. Peter the, Chung. Peter Chung. But in that ballroom scene, like we all remember the scene where he drops from mm-hmm. the, the uh, ceiling, right? But then like when he's fighting Priest and she goes to kick him in the balls and the belt... <laughs> 
goes down and catches her leg. Yeah, bites her. And bites the leg. And I'm like, this is like, this is shit. This movie yeah. is, it's. Well, and again, but again, it gets to the part of the problem with Spawn. It's like, go shoot Jason Wynn and stop talking about it and stop coming up with all these complications for why you don't do it. In the cartoon, just shoot Jason Wynn. In the movie, after they put the thing in his heart and shit, yeah, you can't kill Wynn at that point. But before that, like when you first come down yeah. and shoot him and then cool, that's you, you, you got your revenge. Why do you keep not killing Jason Wynn? What's your motivation for not killing Jason Wynn? Guess what? He can't come up with counter plans against you killing him if you just went ahead and fucking killed him. Just fucking shoot him. It's it's very hard to not go Scott Evil on that whole fucking relationship. It doesn't make any sense that Spawn didn't just fucking kill the guy. And of course, they're constantly trying to find reasons to motivate Spawn to not kill the guy. Like, is hell is what hell wants, blah, blah, blah. They never really, like, I don't, I, to this day, I don't fully understand Spawn's motivation in the comics. I sure as shit don't understand it in the cartoon. The movie a little bit, because again, they're trying to set it up where it's like, oh, he's responsible for all this global destruction. And so that's going to cost him his soul. And he's going to permanently be on the devil's side. But even though Al Simmons is kind of a moron, surely he knows that he got manipulated by hell and being a, just a contrarian, he'd still go up against hell regardless. So I, their whole plan doesn't make a lick of goddamn sense in any Spawn media. To continue with the ballroom scene, <laughs> once he's outside and he's trying to climb the fucking side of the building. Right, and he's morphing and to he's hide got, and shit. He, he morphs his hands into oh, yeah. suction cups. <laughs> Dude, this movie is fucking garbage. When Spawn is blown off the building and flies away, we then transition to what I think of as a classic comic book style shot of the brooding spawn with his cape out overlooking the city but this shot in my mind is really one of the one of the most beautiful in the film that's an old digital shot too that one where uh, we do a cross dissolve into spawn standing on the edge it's a cg spawn cg wall at the whole shot cg again brooding over what's just happened to him and how he has been foiled in his attempt to kill win looking down on the result of what he has just created again more innocent people killed that he hadn't intended everything he has tried to do turns out wrong it's a sort of complex aspect to his character which is really i mean we all relate to that it's like uh, you know when we're Teenagers, people don't misunderstand us. They blame us for things that didn't turn out the way we wanted them to. And the reason that shot is so important is because it's closest to what you see with the cape in the comic book. And I, we were all pushing for a shot like that. That's about that. That really is kind of closest to the sort of McFarlane uh, signature. That one. It was also a shot that wasn't part of the uh, wasn't part of the mix in the beginning. It was something that uh, after Deluca and uh, we had a couple public screenings and the movie scored well. That was one of the shots that Mike uh, he said, you know, you know, let's do. An, people love the cape uh, from the test screenings. Let's do another cape shot. So uh, we designed another uh, shot with a cape, and uh, Mike said, do it. And uh, we got a price from ILM, and they went ahead and did it. But it was never, again, that was one of those things we were able to add as we went we went along. And it's really one of the most beautiful shots in the movie. It's one of the, it's one of the shots in the movie that get the people clap, you know, after they see it. It's really nice. Yeah, actually, the original, we had original sequences that were designed we had to trim way down. I mean, it was actually quite a challenge to get the effect shots to cover the story that we could afford. It was a big process of whittling down. And then not too well, long you the part, that. like, okay, you, you've introduced Priest in the first scene, so we know who she is. She helps Win kill Spawn in the second scene that she appears in. The third scene, she's in the new armor and stuff. So we see that five years have passed. And now she's all ducked out. And then she fights Spawn and dies. The end. And you're like, oh, he just shot her. She's like one of the main adversaries. She's gonna come back somehow, and she never fucking comes back. Here's another example where we uh, where we uh, had to have we were censored here, and when Spawn shoots Priest in the PG-13 movie, we had to play it as one continuous shot, just like on TV. Whereas in the uh, original version of the movie. We intercut with all the multiple camera angles we shot the stunt with, where she falls in the champagne glasses. Now again, originally I had intended to bring Priest back into the movie after she's killed here by Spawn. I wanted her to come back as a she-spawn in hell. 
Here's another example of PG-13 censorship. In this version, you'll see guards who get shot. In the American released version, no guards get shot because spawn is a very bad aim. It's kind of interesting. It's kind of um, like the A-team. Yeah, exactly like the A-team. Don't get shot. Now, originally in the script, she does get killed off where she gets killed off, but she was going to be brought back, and we just ran out of time and money. So the original idea was she was going to be revived cybernetically and become this kind of weird creature. Then that evolved into this hope that I had that we were going to actually bring her back as a warrior in hell. We just were unable to accomplish it given the limitations we had, and that's the that's the genesis why I think even anybody, and certainly myself, I feel like when she's killed, you're kind of going, okay, what's going to happen with her? You can't just let her go. She was great. And that was just due to uh, the limitations we had. We couldn't bring her back. We just didn't have the, the time and the dough to do it. Well, that's why, because we're, we're all on the same page. Everybody thought Priest was coming back, right? Yeah. We all assumed that yeah. they... I thought she was going to be the Redeemer. Yeah, something like when, that. When Jason went and put that th shit in his heart, I was thinking, I remember sitting there thinking, oh, she's coming back to the Redeemer. Like, mm -hmm. something's going to happen. You know, angel lights are going to come up. She's going to show up at the end, fight the angel, kill the angel, and somehow Jason Wynn's going to get tied up. And I, in my head, I'm, I'm already playing that out. And, you know, so then when... Uh, when the clown puts on the cheerleading costume and does spawn, spawn, he's on man. I or spawny, spawny. I nearly turned it off. Yeah, and I'm just like, I. The execs wanted to cut that. They insisted on keeping that scene. They thought it was important. Oh. It was so transgressive. They thought it was it, it was essential to getting clown across as a character. How? I, and that's what the whole time I'm just like, why don't I remember how bad I should have been? Like, I mean, it must have been so bad. I like repressed it or something right. and well, recreated this movie that it wasn't as bad. And that was also the scene where they're setting up Wanda as a philanthropist and she's giving a speech to a consortium of some kind and she's really hot terrible terrible actress. awful and, and, oh my and and, oh, and, and apparently she's giving her speech to a high school or something because he wanders off to a gym what the fuck is even happening there where is this even happening what the hell what's going on uh, let me see some more parts that were stupid in this movie uh, when uh, I guess when his cape goes around the motorcycle and turns into like this armored spawn motorcycle mo spawn pod cycle, yeah. that was dumb um, and becomes a gigantic sharp wedge thing to smash truck. Right. And then the truck explodes and then the, the clown like gets ejected from and it. He goes flying. But it's just like, oh, he's just moving his arms mm -hmm. around and they're just like showing. It's very Bruce it. Willis and oh. Die Hard 2 kind of shit. Oh, yeah. my gosh, but, uh, but on a budget. And then when they finally, so just in case people don't go watch this. So they put a bomb in Jason Wynn mm -hmm. so that Spawn can't kill him. And then like Spawn like pulls the bomb out of him. Yeah, he's able to. He has telekinesis and can cause things to become intangible with hell power, which we haven't read about yet. So I mean, I don't just, think that, ha that happens. That doesn't happen in the comics. Please tell I, me that didn't happen. I wouldn't be shocked. Oh, I hope no. Not. There's no yeah. way, dude. It, and then a bunch of shit happens in the end. And I don't have. And they go to clue. hell. They go to hell. And my bulge is there. And uh, does Kogliel his arm cut off or something? Violator's head off. Yeah, and, it's yeah. just like what is. And then this? it melts away. No. Mm -hmm. Nah, he says, Originally, when we started the movie, we didn't know how we were going to make hell. In fact, we weren't going to make hell. It was going to be essentially an abortive, dead-on delivery hell. Originally, in the script that was a, was approved uh, financially with New Line, again at this just under forty million dollar budget, there wasn't really there wasn't really any money in the budget at all to create hell. There was uh, we had sort of planned and talked about um, a room that would exist in the living room at the end of the movie that would either transform or also the possibility of a room that was underneath the room, a basement room that was a, a sort of subterranean room that was still part of the house or connected to the house, either through the portal or through some sort of opening uh, in the floor of the, the living room floor. And uh, it was going to be sort of a Giger-esque 
uh, room that Mark was going to design. They had actually started to design with Philip Harrison. They actually had built a mock-up. And I think that the more the more we looked at it, the more we realized that, especially given our backgrounds, that we had to at least try to attempt to create something much more fantastic than that. And to actually give, you know, there were a couple of matte painting shots to do a couple really quick shots in hell, but no real opportunity to tell any any of the story of hell. So right, right just before photography started, um, I got enough chutzpah one weekend where I sort of sat down and I mapped out a plan um, that involved uh, sort of uh, uh, um, a little risky um, from a lot of people's points of view, which was to take the total number of shooting days that Mark had to shoot the movie for principal photography and eliminate seven of them in an effort to pay for more digital effects work. And so what we did was we dropped uh, we dropped seven days from photography uh, and, and agreed to shoot the movie in 63 days. New Line made us sign this form. It was like signing a deal with the devil himself. We all had to sign this form, myself and Mark and uh, uh, Steve, and all these people had to sign this form agreeing that, for example, if you had a department with, uh, let's just say, a million dollars in your budget to build the basement set, Philip Harrison, he had to agree on paper, contractually, sort of, to, to, to give that money back to the production so we could then spend it at Santa Barbara Studios. So we set up a smaller second unit uh, that Spaz and, and, and myself sort of uh, ramrodded and set up a blue screen unit to uh, to shoot the, the elements for hell. And by doing that and running that unit concurrently with first unit, we were able to save about a million bucks and shoot in 63 days. We took that money and we gave it to Santa Barbara Studios. And then with uh, with Mark's help, uh, Mark DePay and, and Peter Lloyd uh, from Santa Barbara started to design what hell was going to look like. It took so much energy to create. It's three and a half minutes long. And actually it was, again, a jigsaw puzzle and, and I and I, I have to thank my editor Michael Canoe he assisted me a lot in this because we had to wade through the footage that we had find a way to construct this longer story I had kind of written together with what I thought we had but it took literally finding a way to put the puzzle together with the pieces we had available to us yes and, and to commemorate I wanted to make sure I really wanted the spawn movie adaptation and, I, and I, it, it pissed me off because, well, the, I, I know this thing was in dollar bins like a year or so ago. I knew I wasn't going to have any trouble finding this. But apparently after Spawn 300, I guess a bunch of people got into Spawn and started collecting it again. I paid $15 for oh, a fuck fucked you. up copy. Fuck no! Fucked up copy of this shit. I have seen this thing everywhere. I sure, I went to like one of the, ma the main place we go Costume for dollar comics. Huh? Costume looks good. Yeah. The, the main place we go for dollar comics, I searched their boxes. Every Spawn comic book has been pulled out of there. So it's either been sold or it's been pulled back and put into the main stock again. Could not find this motherfucker. And I finally bought it and it, it sucks, but I, I still wanted to have it for, for specifically for this podcast. It was uh, drawn by Carlos Danda, who did a lot of like Resident Evil and I think he did the Brass follow-up miniseries oh, when Richard Bennett fobbed off because it probably took him ball end levels of time to do the first miniseries. So what do you think about the comic book? I mean, it looks better than I thought it was going to. Right. To be honest with you, I'm like surprised how good. But but it also looks extremely faithful to the movie. That was almost a disaster, Sorry. dude. Well, I didn't aim for the Whataburger cup. Well, of course, but you were looking at it to not aim at it, which means you're actually aiming at it. Um, yeah, it doesn't look that. I point, point, and I did just toss the fifteen dollar book across the room. So. <laughs> well, because it ain't no fifteen dollar book. It's beat to shit too. Yeah, I remember that cover. I don't think I remember flipping through it. Mm -hmm. Wasn't there one with Priest on the cover? I think that was the actual issue of Spawn because oh. they, they did a bunch of movie photo covers for the Spawn comic book. They didn't, they weren't really big on variant covers on Spawn, so I think they were legit like they had a whole series of those. And of course, they did the trade paperbacks where they changed the dress to look kind of like Bill Sienkiewicz meets X Files kind of shit. A uh, lots of that David Fincher scratch 
patchy shit 70 kind of stuff going on there to make them look cool and hip and I, I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised oh you know what I think they did photo covers for some of the chapel I mean, sorry some of the priest stories in um, was it Crypt of Spawn Curse of Spawn, Curse of Spawn which Alan McElroy wrote movie's bad dude yeah. so this is and then of course it's 25 years later we still don't have a sequel we've been talking about the Almost. new movie for what like seven years now or some shit but I, I Jeremy know. Renner Jeremy Fox who else they got for this no, shit no 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 you know how you fix it Tyler Perry presents oh Jesus Spawn. Christ <laughs> That's how you fix the movie. Well, you finally st- kind of they're actually no, 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 no. You give it to the Key and Peele guys and go oh, like hard wow. horror with it. Yeah, like a very no us. Jordan Peele get could Jordan fucking Peele get this shit across. You get Jordan Peele. I would, I would, I, I, I would I, I show up. Like, so, I threw out yeah. Tyler Perry as a fucking joke. You do Peele. I could actually see him fucking pull. And, this and off. I don't think Nope did the kind of numbers they were looking for. No, it seems like he got a muted response. Maybe, but everyone, I, still need to see. I haven't seen it. Well, I mean, Peele, Peele, isn't that Bloomhouse shit anyway? Doesn't he already work for Bloomhouse? Them, I should say. But my understanding, the, the couple of people I know who have seen it, there's there's two camps. There's people who just like, it's fucking great. It's one of those movies that it just makes you think. You don't get to sit there and be lazy. Well, you you realize the like, course of this career, right? Jordan Peele is in the Shyamalan <laughs> course. Exactly. Yeah. He's 100% M. Night Shyamalan right yeah. now. You think so? I really oh, like yeah. Us and Get Out. I thought yeah. okay. we, we, we and, all... and I really like the first couple M. Night Shyamalan movies. Yeah. First one. Six, six. Well, you were the one who didn't really like his Twilight Zone either. No, I thought, no, I liked the Twilight. I thought, I thought it was okay. okay. I thought it was okay. But, but wasn't like every third story the secret is it's racism no that was probably Mac bitching about that <laughs> Wait, oh, Mac didn't about? watch no Twilight Zone no he was like Twitter said okay maybe so no I, my I Twitter feed is sports you guys okay. that's why you guys yeah, are chilling I remember yeah that. oh man Jordan Peele would definitely lend cred to sports Jordan and, and he is he a comic book guy is he like a, I, I get the feeling like he definitely likes sci-fi and shit I really feel like he would probably have some kind of sp- superhero itch well he would probably do some weird shit like you know I don't know that he would I think that he knows I I think he he rec- like he plays within the genre. He obviously like he brings that Sterling esque quality to his horror movies. But but I think he understands like looking at Key and Peele. You look at a lot of the skits they did. I mean he played Stan Lee in that one skit. Remember? Like I think he knows comic books. He could Maybe barely be like. Could you imagine he took another pass at the screenplay and then directed it? That shit could be goddamn. And honestly, killer. lately okay, so lately there's been a run of so Prey. Was I hadn't fantastic. even thought about that. Yeah, the new Hell the new Hellraiser movie I actually liked a lot. Uh, it was I, okay. I, I think some of these new Newer guys get it. I think he would do a great job. Now that I think about it, because I mean, even with limited budget, dude, Prey's fantastic. I like Torres. I thought it was really good. Yeah, I was surprised how much I enjoyed it. Um, I would like to. Yeah, yeah. that would be a well. Fun see, because one of the problems with this movie was again they got special effects guys to direct it, and one of the things that was really irritating at the commentary track is the production company was made up of a couple of guys. One of them is uh, Scud or Skis or Spud. I can't remember what the name was. Anyway, it's a guy who Spunk who'd, or Spiz. He done spike. work on um, the some of the games like the Colonial Marines game for aliens and so they brought him in 2016 to comic Colonial Palooza. Marines make sure you listen to Dark Horse Presents right I, I, I have a, I have an ad for that now I'll plug it in here right, he came with those like the, the creative team of the first miniseries and the actors and the special effects guy that had worked on Alien 3 that I talked to uh, he was actually I think one of the reasons why they, he came was because they were I think they were friends they were both part of the same production company and to me he was just some guy who worked on one of the games but he'd done a bunch of special effects works like uh, um, on 
on other stuff, including Spawn. And the, I think the problem with this movie is, oh, and then what the, the, the production company was formed over these guys doing a criminal trespass and getting into like George Lucas's shit and drinking his cognac and stuff. And they were like trying to laugh it off. Like if you guys weren't a couple of white dudes, you would definitely be in jail now. So you guys really should shut the fuck up. And you definitely shouldn't name your production company after like exiled from or banned from the ranch production, some bullshit like that. The problem with, well, I think the number one problem with this movie is you got special effects guys to do the movie as a director, right? And as, as the production company. And so they wanted to show what you could do with special effects, particularly CGI. And they wanted to keep pushing it to the limit. Like they wanted to be on the cutting edge of special effects. And they kept spending money on this shit. Particularly, they cut seven days from the production uh, uh, schedule to have enough money. They got a million dollars, I think, from that to put into the hell sequences. And so rather than, because originally it was supposed to be like really low key and they weren't ever going to really like properly go to hell. Mm-hmm. It's going to be just like Which a lot of darkness and yeah. fire and shit. But they decided, no, we're going to do this with special effects and we're going to show what we can do. Huge mistake. And they, they just simply did not have the time. They did not have the resources. They didn't understand that they needed to work with their limitations. So they went so far beyond what they could actually pull off that they just completely shit this movie out. You know, it, it, they ran out. They, I mean, they just couldn't get a gun. You just have to make sure it was still going to be a bad movie regardless. Saying, you have to clarify that the hell scenes were, this movie was long gone before oh, sure, they could sure. tell, yeah. like way but that, long But that gone. was definitely the punctuation mark. Cake, yeah. yeah. Where you could get a guy like Jordan Peele who has directed numerous movies. He didn't even, he didn't, it could be fucking produced by, it could be like Candyman or some shit. They could get another person to actually direct it and he could like actually, maybe. Candyman, that's another good one that was fucking yeah. great. You, you, and, and that was some, a good one that was great. <laughs> and, you, and you could, you know, maybe some crossover of actors too. Obviously the caliber of actor related to these production companies is higher than anybody that worked on this first yeah, you one. You get Mbaku honestly, to be Chapel, of course. And, and honestly, and you could probably. Did, when you did Us, that the alternate family were so fucking creepy. Yeah. Like just. I just want to, because we're never going to do an Us podcast, but I have to say that was such a good movie until they felt the need to give you the sci-fi explanation at the end. Mm. And it's like me and Paquita watched Twist. it. Twist. We were into it. And then they did that Shyamalan and we totally lost us. Because like as, as a movie watched from beginning to end, I enjoyed Us more than I enjoyed Get Out. Really? But, yeah. Because a lot of the stuff where he's trying to mingle with the white family gets really tedious and they kind of belabor the fucked up. And I know they had, kind of have to do that. It's that kind of movie. But, I wish but, they kept the alternate but, but I got a little tired of it. And I agree with the change. I, I agree that the most likely ending would be the bleak ending, the alternate ending. But I think that especially at that time, because that movie was coming out around a lot of the George Floyd stuff. And even before, I mean, historically, that wasn't anything new that's been going on. I think that you needed the win. And so I understand why they went with the up ending instead. Although ultimately it probably still goes that way. They just like cut off like Brazil where like, you know, that things are going to end badly. Even if you end on a high note, you know, that then after the credits, Oh, by the way, I ended up in prison in the end spoilers but the thing is like you said the ending of Get Out was good where I think the ending of Us was stupid and so I enjoyed everything up to that point and then they lost me and Paquita at the end with the dumb explanation where with Get Out by the end we're still like with the movie and then we enjoy the ending and so ultimately I have to enjoy Get Out more but Us was super creepy super well acted Lupita Nyong'o and, and uh, Winston Duke fucking Wanda awesome in those and, movies and uh, Chapel go ahead yeah, oh wow yeah yeah I'm just casting, oh, yeah, oh, casting the movie done. while you're yes absolutely that. I think that he was somebody who even if he's just involved with the production in a, in, as a producer could get that movie made and because he has a relationship with Bloomhouse that would be perfect oh no she should be so L- it, Lupita should be Angela that'd be well they don't have the rights to Angela anymore no oh, Marvel right. Marvel got the rights to Angela so that's not an option but you can come out with some Angelica I don't honestly I don't think they can afford Lupita Nyong'o for something like Spawn especially if they're giving Jimmy Fox any kind of anything no no, no Jamie's out now no you gotta get Jamie oh, he's, Fox he's out, out for there. sure he's done yeah he, no, did no, he no. say that 
that? You or? get you get the guy, the actor that's in. Uh, oh wait, are you talking about fan casting? You're saying you heard something? No, I'm just saying if you're gonna if you're going with Peel, Peel already has his actors that he likes to play with. Yeah, that's okay. what I'm saying. Yeah. but you're not you're not saying a f- oh, no, no. right now I, though. I, Jamie Foxx, honestly, still, to me, Jamie Foxx would just John Leguizamo it up in my yeah, opinion. Yeah, so mm-hmm. this movie. I think no, I think he's a really good choice for Spawn. I just don't think they have the budget to make a Jamie Foxx Spawn movie. So you probably should have an actor who's. I'd rather go unknown Elson. I just watched his vampire movie with Snoop Dogg. Oh, was it bad? Okay. He shouldn't do Spock. And see, for me, he's still Django, so I'm giving him probably more credit. I, I, yeah. Maybe. Django was a long time ago, my friend. This vampire movie hey, came out last year. He did an interesting contribution to the Spawn soundtrack, he, though, right? He, <laughs> he, he, he didn't know a Spawn. Trust me. Okay. He, the vampire movie, if just sit through about an hour, not even do 20 minutes of it. I, 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 I'd been now, making a middle note to played, try it out. The actor who played Candyman? Mm-hmm. Um, what's his name? Um, I haven't seen the new Candyman. Uh, but he's he, he's in ambulance too with. Uh, I haven't seen ambulance uh, either. Isn't he the same guy? He is he the one awesome, guy who plays uh, Black Manta? Great Al Simmons. I think. A well, great in, 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 he's, is he the same guy who's playing Simon Williams in the? Because the, the guy who played Black Manta is going to be playing Wonder Man. Oh yeah, yeah, he played. Black is Manta, it the yeah. same guy though? Yes. Oh, okay. he was uh, Doctor Manhattan. Oh yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's correct. Yes. I think he would be a fantastic spot. He I, has a voice for it. I only know him from Black Manta, and I thought he was horrible with Black Manta. Horrible. Yahya Abdul. The second. If you watch him in uh, in uh, in Candyman, the oh, you can get Tony Todd Candyman to be uh, Cagliostro. Let's, let's just make the whole cast. Ooh, black yeah, dude. I dig that. I am going to see this movie when it comes out. Definitely, and it's never I, I, I definitely Wait, like who? them. The dude, can, Tony the Todd Candyman. Tony Todd. Oh yeah. OG Candyman is, is Cagliostro. Oh yeah. That would be sweet. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. So, no, wait, who I'm down. John Leguizamo. <laughs> Bring him back. <laughs> We're bringing it back. He gets you, it. He oh, gets no, it. Hey, Kevin no, Hart. No, 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 no. Kevin Hart. No, no. Oh, Kevin it's got to be Kevin Hart. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> no. Because then we have. I was about to say Kevin Hart. No, because then the rock smell Bolgia, and then it turns into a, it turns into a Mal Bolgia movie. Oh, no. Oh, that's perfect, dude. Hey, the rock needs a win, man, especially after fucking oh. after Black Adam. Mal Bolgia. Ha, ha, ha. He's going to be like, the hierarchy smell, of the image universe smell, is about to change. Can you smell what Mal Bolgia's cooking? <laughs> Wait, wait. Well, what the clown's cooking? Because okay, whatever. Not the violator. That's right. No, you're right. Kevin Hart turns into (laughs) the Rock, who is the violator. No, you you got it. That's it. And then Snoop is obviously Malbolgia. We got. All right, we're done with that. We got this. We just solved all of the problems. Todd, Todd, Todd. just solved your problem, man. I won't even. We won't even charge. Just get us free tickets to opening night. Let us go to the red carpet. Right there. I want to see fucking. Kevin Hart turned into The Rock as the Violator, and The Rock's like, "Can you smell no, the Violator?" Jumanji. <laughs> now, uh, in this scene coming up here, you're gonna see again something that we did throughout this movie. We had Angela in there. We have some of the uh, the uh, news agents. This lady right here just puts the mic in. She's from the comic book. She got the same cut. Uh, the one that's from the kind of the CNN. And then the two cops that are leading Jason Wynn out are Sam and Twitch, who are the two detectives that are trying to hunt down Spawn, both in the animation and the comic book and they're just there we did that literally has kind of a little bit of an homage there's the newscaster i was talking about as a, as an homage to those that are kind of the hardcore spawn fans that they could sit there smug in their seat going i know who that is you don't and so whenever you can take the fans and, and people and you can empower them that they think that they've got something over somebody else it makes them kind of feel pretty good the end of this movie again was intentional that we wanted to not just end it with you know that ending there but we wanted to give one last shot again 
again of that the new heroes come he's made some kind of movement forward and that on some levels he will become like in the comic book the king of the alleys they see him as the king and he's kind of protecting us the homeless and so we wanted to give this one last image of this guy from hell perched up on the cross which again is you know the ultimate you know uh, symbol of of goodness but he's also above you know all the all the the homeless has the rats come up because the rats again are these creatures of the night that are coming to their master just like the dog you know so this is their new master because he's he is who he is and you get a sense of the living tissue and then it's just near the end here we actually go there he is if you catch the green eyes there's our, our guy and all his living in, in color and that you get again what I'm trying to, to, to show here and what we wanted to do the, the majesticness of the hero that he actually looks like a hero for the first time as he's kind of overseeing the world and making sure that maybe nothing will no harm will come from it and then we blast into the fireballs and get into our bizarre credits here that again tie into the lead credits that have this kind of MTV kind of feel. So he kept things loose and conversational on the front end. So I'll give you some numbers here on the back. A lot of this is taken directly from Wikipedia. Spawn was released on August 1st, 1997. It came in second place behind Air Force One in its second weekend of release. Spawn dropped to third in its second weekend. It ultimately earned about $54 million domestic plus $33 million international for a total of about $87.8 million against a budget of 40 to $45 million. This was back in the days where double the budget was the formula for or being in the black, which just barely puts it there, or maybe just a bit shy of that, especially since New Line didn't get any ancillary money from merchandising and the like. Spawn stands at 70% on Rotten Tomatoes. Michael Jai White has stated, There is no footage of me ever saying that I like Spawn. I have never said that I thought that was a good movie, while John Leguizamo thought it should have been darker and more violent like the comics. The Spawn movie adaptation was released on December 10th, 1997, so that's four months late. But keep in mind, this is Wildstorm's fault. It's released the same month as Spawn number 67, which was the fourth top selling book of the month, eighth in dollar share, moving 156,355 units. Also, Spawn volume five trade paperback came out that month. It was ranked seventh in its category, 11th in dollar share. The movie adaptation was 58th place in the top 100, but 19th in dollar share because of its elevated cover price, moved 41,873 units through Diamond Comic Distributors. The month prior, November, saw Curse of the Spawn number 14. It ranked 13th place, 20th in dollar share, so more or less one slot below the movie adaptation. It moved 101,888 units, which just goes to show you cover price makes a difference. That was the finale of a Jessica Priest three-parter. Spawn the album debuted at number seven on the US Billboard 200 and stayed on the chart for 25 weeks. The album is certified gold for selling over 500,000 copies in America. Singles included Can't You Trip Like I Do by The Crystal Method and Filter. Really, it was a Crystal Method song that was remixed and uh, Nouveau 
vocals were added. It peaked at 29th place on the U.S. Billboard Modern Rock tracks. And then you've got Long Hard Road Out of Hell by Marilyn Manson's Sneaker Pimps. For some reason, they didn't have a ranking for that on Wikipedia, but they did talk about how it makes a lot of lists of favorite Marilyn Manson songs, and Manson himself agreed. In January 2018, Complex Magazine listed Spawn at number two out of 22 on its list of the best black superheroes in movies. Worth pointing out, this is a list of the superheroes being ranked, not the movies themselves. This was also a list that was put out before the Black Panther movie, although he had appeared in Civil War by that point. So on that note, Spawn managed to beat Frozone, Black Panther, and Valkyrie, the three through five spots, but was beaten by Blade at number one. On the spawning ground, 20th Century Geek Podcast, 21st Century Boys, Adriano, Billy Hines, CH, Chris Dunford, Chris Lydon, Dave's Comic Heroes Blog, Doc Strange, Ed Moore, Eugene R. Hendricks, voice actor, home studio, Fan Holes Podcast, The Hammer Strikes, Random Geeky Stuff, History of Comics on Film, Jason Snicked Venable, Jeffrey Brown, They, Them, Jocktastico, K-Lord, Marvel Universe Online Project, Mike at Sandalians to Me, Rihanna Mike on Hive, sort of, Richard Field, Siskoid, Talk Nerdy to Me, Tim Price the Podcrasher, Trucker Talk, and Two True Freaks You Should Be Listening. Del Dracula replied to and liked our Tumblr post for the Spawnometer Wildstar Sky Zero episode, saying, Horse Patootie with the crying emoji. Del also liked the post for the Wildstar T-2 episode. Billy Hines wrote, and it's sort of a combination of several different tweets, so sorry if it's a little janky. Opinionated but fair, really good, about 10 minutes of Spawn up front, characteristic deep dive that is always surprisingly generous to Spawn, a comic I feel almost nothing happened in for a long time. With excerpts from interviews, etc., plus Wildstorm, Ordway does clean, precise 90s excess. You might want to skip the Spawn, but there's a ton of great Jerry Ordway interview, really interesting. Acknowledging that nothing happens for issues in a run of Spawn, I dropped off about 10 issues later. Ordway did my first Batman comic, Batman 89 adaptation, bought in the cinema. Imagine. And finally, Dean Roberts Willits added, Cheers, Billy. I don't normally announce what the next episode of Spawnometer is going to be, but I forced the guys to record the next episode before we recorded this episode. It's going to be 1963. I like the idea of it being the 0036 episode, but because we absolutely had to get the Spawn movie episode out in its 25th anniversary year, we had to push back 1963 to episode 37, but it should be out very early next month because we only got four fucking Spawnometers out this year, the 30th anniversary year of Spawn. That really pisses me off. I'm going to try to take some steps to get more episodes out next year. Hopefully that works out for us, but I guess a quarterly is better than nothing. Maybe it's a voice. I will soon know. Can you home in on it? Can we all hear that, Landon? I really think we should worry about the hearing now. All right, well, I found the quadrant. God. All I want to know is what is, what is it? What is it? Doesn't sound like any radio signal, huh? Dark Horse presents aliens. I don't understand this content. All we know is that the xenomorph may be involved. Excuse me, sir. Uh, a what? What exactly are we dealing with here? Comic book adaptations of 20th century Fox intellectual property. How many different ways do you want me to tell the same story? I got into trouble. My ship, there was an accident. We found an alien creature. It's very dangerous. Spoilers. A creature that gestates inside a living human host. These are your words. And has concentrated acid for blood. That's right. We sat down there on company orders to get this thing, which destroyed my crew and your expensive ship. When they first heard about this thing, 
It was crew expendable. The next time they sent in Marines, they were expendable too. We don't have a lot of time, okay? Oh, God, what are we listening to? Idiot! Hey, what, what, has anybody else got a better idea? How long would it take you to do that? 20 minutes to an hour. About two hours. More like two or three without. We have been here for three and a half hours. I read your deposition, and it's great. If you just stick to that, I think we'll be fine. Now, I really hate to point this out, but it might be better off without oxygen. Well, whatever the hell it is, we gotta catch it. Look, man, I only need to know one thing. Where they are. Did IQs just drop sharply? We homed in on its beacon. This has been the Rhodes Spine Podcast. We have it on disc, so you better look at it. Okay, put that on the screen for me. Now move it, people. Why don't you just check out the Dark Horse Presence Aliens Podcast? Because I don't have to. Do you mind? They think we're... we're crud. That could have been better. Are you finished? Coming in December. A special all-ages holiday edition. Alien Salvation. With guest Odell Abner Dracula. Hi, I'm John Waters. Hi, this is Dolph Lundgren. Hi, I'm Lance Henriksen. Hi, this is Keith Gordon. Robert Pune. Miguel Ferrer. Nancy Allen. Robert Davi. Richard Elfman. Ileana Douglas. Patrick Warburton. Wingshauser. Cliff DeYoung. Steve Railsback. Mr. D. William Cass. If you haven't been listening to the Projection Booth podcast, you're missing out. Each week, the Projection Booth brings you in-depth discussions of some of the most interesting movies ever made. I'm Mike White. No, the other one. I'm the guy who wrote the film fanzine Cashiers to Cinemart since 1994. Since early 2011, I've been co-hosting the Projection Booth podcast. Try us, won't you? I never try anything. I just do it. Visit the Projection Booth at projection-booth.com. Who's editing? A thought experiment in which Siskoid and his guests appoint themselves editors of a comic book line at DC Comics. But the joke's on them, because they can only use the characters of a specific issue of Who's Who, and in fact must use them. Great ideas? Yes, we think so. Cool reinventions? Of course. Crisis fatigue? We guarantee it. Who's editing? Now on its own feed, only at the Fire & Water Podcast Network, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. This is a fan produced, not for profit podcast. No copyright infringement is intended, and any use of copyrighted materials believed to be covered under fair use. If you don't agree, you can go straight to hell!